Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing but sports for the duration of the show. We have a lot to get to tonight, so just to look at what's on tap for tonight's show, we have an outlook on this year's NFL draft. We will take a look at the most recent mocks and see just exactly who may be going in the first round potentially this year. Uh, also, not to mention the NFL playoff picture is starting to get a little bit more a, a little bit more rounded out. So we will start to see who actually has a shot at making the playoffs and who the pretenders are. And not to mention, who has no shot in hell looking at you, New England? Uh, we will also oh. take an uh, update into the NBA's in-season tournament, where we did have at least one team clinch their spot in the next round officially last night. Uh, we also will take a look at the MLB awards as more awards have been handed down this week, and as well take a look at uh, some of the rumblings in MLB's free agency period, including a couple of trades that have gone down over uh, over the past 24 to 48 hours. Uh, plus, there's a lot more we're going to talk about as well tonight. Uh, a quick a uh, quick little note for next week. Obviously, next week is Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, people probably have uh, probably have plans. So, uh, for that reasoning, we will be taking next week, uh, next Saturday night off, uh, and we will return the following Saturday uh, due to Thanksgiving weekend. Um, but we have uh, oh. Actually, before before I bring Lou and uh, Diane in, um, a reminder as well for Survivor fans, due to Thanksgiving uh, being this Thursday, the Survivor podcast will be moved to this upcoming Friday, uh, Friday night at oh. 9 p.m. Eastern. So uh, any Survivor fans that listen to uh, tonight's show, it is Friday night this week, not Thursday. Uh, so, with that being said, Lou and Diane, how are you two doing tonight? All right. Good. All right. See you. Thank you. Well, that's good. To, that's good to hear. Uh, we have a lot to get to, uh, but the fir- I think the first thing uh, that we should discuss is the an up. There, there has been an update in the death of former NHL player Adam Johnson after he was cut in the neck by a skate blade during a late October game in England. Uh, The police in South Yorkshire uh, this week officially announced the arrest of of a uh, specific individual in the case on suspicion of manslaughter. Now, they haven't officially released his name, but chances are it is officially Matt Petgrave. And 
The reason being, uh, obviously, you know, some people may wonder why the name hasn't been released. Well, the, the thing is the suspect has not been officially charged with a crime as of yet. So normally uh, under UK law, what they normally do is uh, they do not release the name of the suspect until a charge has officially been filed. Uh, however, they do arrest the person on uh you know basically so that so that they can uh they can call them in for questioning which i guess in the united states we call that detainment but uh yeah. you know they refer to it as an arrest overseas uh however it is one would basically assume that the person that has been arrested was the player of the other team matt petgrave who had uh, whose uh, skate had caught the neck of Adam Johnson, and uh, Adam Johnson's team, the Nottingham Panthers, officially retired his number forty-seven jersey uh, before today's uh, Memorial Game as a as a result of this unfortunate incident, uh, and of course. Uh, Matt Peckrave, he is officially facing charges of, well, or I should say he's facing allegations of manslaughter. The charges, like right. I said, haven't been filed yet. Uh, but uh, he, has, he has officially been arrested. It is not known if he has posted bail or not as of yet. Uh, oh, yeah, actually, yeah, it says the unidentified man was released on police bail the following day. Um, according to the Detective Chief, Su- Chief Superintendent Bex Horsfall, uh, they stated, our investigation launched immediately following this tragedy, and we have been carrying out extensive inquiries ever since, ever since to piece together the events which led to the loss of Adam in these unprecedented circumstances. We've been speaking to highly specialized experts in their field to assist in our inquiries and continue to work closely with the Health and Safety Department at Sheffield City Council, which is supporting our ongoing investigation. Um, Now, for anybody who is unaware, uh, the play occurred on an October 28th game overseas, and I remember we, we discussed this on a previous show where, uh, you know, we were wonder we were discussing whether or not it was intentional. Uh, and it had looked like the player was caught off guard and caught off balance, which then unfortunately led to the contact that occurred. However, though, Lou, upon replay, upon watching the play, again today Mm -hmm. to me at least it didn't seem like there was enough contact that would have resulted in I really don't think there was and I don't think he had the intention to kill maybe to hurt him you know just like you know get out out of the way because you know that's what opponents do but I don't think he really had you know any intention to kill if I remember what you said earlier, Steve, you said that you thought the player was going for his chest. Yeah, that's what I said earlier on Lou's show today yeah. was that I thought he was going for his chest. Uh, but on the replay, 
it, you know, basically it essentially looks like a karate kick. Oh, like, really? It looks like one of those. It, it looks like some. I mean, really, well, how can you well, do a karate kick with a base kick? Well, let's, let's ask the question, guy. Well, okay. you would do, you would do it, you would, uh, you know, you would, you would kick just like, just like any, uh, just like a professional fighter would do a type of kick like that. However, the thing is, is that normally when you lose your balance on ice, you don't have the chance to redirect your leg like Matt Petgrave did. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's why that's why it appears so so suspicious because he has the opportunity to redirect his leg and almost as if he was aiming for the neck in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's which you know, you know, which uh, it's it's just, it's just weird to me because upon seeing the contact that he had made with uh, Johnson's teammate that would have potentially taken him off guard or taken him off balance, it didn't appear like he had made enough contact that would have caused his leg to redirect upward. So to me, I think that maybe perhaps he was aiming for maybe perhaps he was aiming for his chest, and ultimately yeah. he maybe he miscalculated exactly where his where his skate would catch. But yeah. regardless, though, you know, it was an irresponsible play. Uh, I think he should be manslaughter. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the guy died exactly. So I think you know I I think that ultimately he will get charged with manslaughter, and I mean the evidence is right there in the uh, in the clip. Any any anybody who has seen that clip, all they got to do is. All they got to do is 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 look, and they'll see that literally you, you can tell that there's a deliberate kick of yeah. the uh, you know in the motion that he's got in the motion of his leg. Okay. So, in my opinion, not not only should he be charged, he should also be charged with murder too, murder, manslaughter, and. Basically, you know, Matt Petgrave, his not just his career, but likely uh, he will spend maybe potentially life behind bars as a result of this. Yeah. But regardless, though, it it was definitely, uh, you know, many would consider it a freak accident, but... The, the more you look at that clip, the more it just it just screams that it was intentional. Yeah, I mean, not intentional to actually kick him in the in the neck, but intentional enough to, uh, you know, to where 
the kick was intentional. Maybe not the spot of where it landed, but the kick was definitely intentional. Yeah. I bet he didn't mean for the guy, to, for him to die. But no. regardless, he died anyway. Right. And that's why, and that's why maybe perhaps he might not get murder. Maybe he'll just get manslaughter. But still, it, uh, regardless of uh, regardless of the result, it still happened, basically. Yes. Uh Elsewhere within the NHL, uh, Boston Bruins forward Milan Lucic is apparently taking a leave of absence after he was arrested earlier today due to a domestic incident. And according to uh, according to one reporter, uh, his wife had had called nine one one and told them that Lucic attacked and choked her. Uh, officers had said that Lucic appeared drunk uh, upon arresting him. So, yeah, it's it's very stupid of him to do. Um, You know, the the fact that, you know, 35 years old, doesn't have much time left in the league. Uh, You know, he had always wanted to come back to Boston and be able to play for the Boston Bruins again. And he's been out of that. Yes. Well, yeah, not after this, obviously. Um, Mm -hmm. And considering he uh, he has been out of action uh, for pretty much, I think, since the first week of the season after suffering an injury uh, to his ankle, and he had just recently experienced uh, experienced a setback, and as a result, uh, would end up missing more time. However, it appears that now uh, he is taking an indefinite leave of absence, followed uh, you know following his arrest. Uh, Steve Conroy of the Boston Herald released a statement by the Bruins saying the Boston Bruins are aware of an incident involving Milan Lucic Friday evening. Milan is taking an indefinite leave of absence from the team. The organization takes these matters very seriously and will work with the Lucic family to provide any support and assistance they may need. We will have no further comment at this time. Uh, Lucic, of course... Well, the one the one thing I'm wondering is whether or not they may try and get his contract voided potentially as a result of this. Uh, I mean, he's already on long term injured reserve, so I, I guess there there is the possibility that they could file for a uh, for an exception, which I think it's sort of, I think it's sort of similar to what the NFL does. Uh, when they have an injured player and teams mm-hmm. can file for, for some sort of exception. Or may, or maybe, no, it's the NBA that does it. Right. But he uh, he signed a one-year, $1 million contract this offseason that contained, that contained an additional $500,000 in performance bonuses. And he has only played four games this year, picking up two assists. 
while playing a little under 12 minutes per game. Now, uh, with this being said, obviously, you know, he's already on long-term injured reserve. So effectively, you know, he's, he was already missing a considerable amount of time to begin with. But now I think with this arrest, uh, this likely spells the end of his time with the Boston Bruins. Um, yeah. Maybe they'll put him on flat-out waivers. Right. What's that, Diane? Or any other hockey team. I got any hockey team of them now. Well, I, yeah. I don't know if I would. I don't know if I would say that actually, because there are teams that are desperate enough that will, uh, you know, yeah. that will take uh, that will take a flyer on somebody like him. But I mean, the Bruins are already playing well enough yeah, without him. I mean, look at they got a right. they got a five to one lead and tonight against Montreal. Who is he desperate up to take him? Uh, you'd be surprised. Yeah. You'd be, yeah, surprised. you'd be surprised. There, there, there are some teams that would uh, that would potentially, uh, if they if they're in need of a uh, of a fourth line winger uh, to provide some grit to the team, there are, there are teams that would be uh, that would be willing to take him on despite his troubles. Mm-hmm. But I mean, look at where they are like, right what, now. What they're teams? 12. I don't know what teams you're talking about. Well, I mean, anybody, like, for example, Pittsburgh, maybe New Jersey, mm-hmm. uh, the Islanders. Okay. I mean, there are okay. teams that may, uh, you know, maybe they're missing a little bit of grit that uh, that they could end up using. You know, Chicago might be a team mm-hmm. that could potentially uh, that could potentially use him. Maybe Edmonton, maybe a return Oh, excuse me, a return to the Edmonton Oilers, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know, believe believe it or not, even though even though there's one team, even though he may get kicked off of one team due to uh, due to something like this, there are other teams around the league yeah. that would be that would be likely willing to take a flyer on somebody like him. I guarantee okay. you, if he were put on waivers, somebody would potentially claim him. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what What are your thoughts on this, Lou? Uh, with Luchi, do you think Lucic's time with Boston is over, uh, considering the circumstances? Yeah. Uh, yes, I think that's. I think that probably is going to happen. I mean, for whatever re- for whatever he did, and so. But uh, it's time, like you said. I don't think the NHL uh, is over. I think someone would be desperate to take him. I don't know if it would be the Devils. Maybe it's more like with um, Edmonds or whatnot, because I don't think the Devils want uh, someone, uh, someone like that with uh, his uh, trouble past. But I do think it's time with uh, the Bruins is up. And just when they're doing so well this year, too. And then you have to have that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe Yeah. I mean, they're they're doing good enough as it is right now. You know, right. uh, they're about to get their thirteenth win, assuming they don't blow a four goal lead in ten minutes here. Uh, they're about to get their they're about to get their uh, their thirteenth win of the season, and 
you know, it just, uh, you know, they have they have people who can replace him, essentially. Yeah. Like, they, obviously, they have Patrick Brown, who is currently up on the roster. Uh, they could bring. Right. They have Oscar Steen, uh, who has been looking to have a permanent stay on an NHL roster. Uh, yes. Plus, they have a couple of they have a couple of people who they signed in the off season as depth acquisitions that they could potentially bring up if need be. So, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people. A lot of people were already skeptical on him signing with Boston to begin with in the off season yeah. because of because of how his game has regressed over the years. But I mean, it was worth it for them to take a one million dollar flyer on him. However, you know, with this uh, with this news, and then you have to also take into account this is the same team that that tried to sign Mitchell Miller, uh, that prized the prospect uh, who got mainstream attention for uh, for bullying allegations that uh, he had done throughout his time uh, in Canadian school. So, and, you know, they ended up facing a whole bunch of backlash off of that. I wouldn't be surprised if they faced backlash off of this uh, involving Milan Lucic's uh, domestic uh, incident involving his wife. Um, Yes. But let me let me bring on Alex here. Uh, Alex is joining us. Uh, Alex, what are your thoughts on on uh, Milan Lucic taking an indefinite uh, absence from the Boston Bruins? Hey guys, what's going on? I'm trying out a new Bluetooth uh, little speaker on my phone, so and I'm like not the most technologically uh, savvy person, so if it sounds funky, let me know. But uh, <laughs> that that indefinite suspension is. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he definitely needs some time away from the ice to gather himself. So, I mean, where there's, you know, if he's doing this, there's obviously a lot, there might be more going on to it. So, you know, anytime something like this happens, there's something going on. So it's, it's well-deserved. I think they still have plenty of, uh, plenty of talent, you know, with or without him though. So they'll keep on trucking. Right, and and as as I said, they're about to they're about to pick up their thirteenth regulation win tonight, assuming they don't blow a four a four goal lead here, uh, moving forward in these last uh, nine minutes or so. So playing great, you know, it's basically you could you could basically say that uh, you know the the Bruins have enough depth as it is to where. They don't really, you know, you know, they, they could afford uh, not having him on their uh, on their on their roster, essentially. Definitely, and sometimes, especially early on, sometimes, especially early on in the season for any team, really, you know, it can it can help other players improve, get more playing time, build confidence, you know, give other people the opportunity to step up. So there's always a silver lining, maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe they sustain their success, and maybe other people will get even better in the meantime. Kind of fill the void for them, kind of step up their games, and then he comes back stronger down the road. Well, we're kind of we're kind of thinking that his time with the team is probably over, because it could be. Uh, yeah, I mean it's 
you know, with it being uh, supposedly he had attacked her and choked her, according to uh, according to one reporter, um, and the police said that he had appeared to be drunk uh, when they had arrested him. So, oh, I didn't I didn't hear all the uh, all that then. I knew there was some incident. I just didn't know if it was like you know, if those are true, then yeah, he must not be lacing them back up anywhere in the NHL. For for a long time, when when is the last time something as abhorrent as, as terrible as that has happened as far as domestic violence in, in NHL? Uh, maybe there's some other things. Uh, to to some, uh, another another case or two that we can compare it to. I mean, it's happened in other sports. Well, the last, yeah, the last the last uh, such yeah. incident was Slava Voinov, uh, previously with the Los Angeles Kings. He was. Uh, oh, yeah. He was a, he was arrested on misdemeanor domestic violence against his wife, and oh, that's right. He ended yeah. up being char- and he ended up being charged back in 2014 with a one felony yeah. count of corporal injury to a spouse with great bodily injury. Um, oh, awful. And and uh, even though he was indefinitely suspended by the league, the LA Kings attempted to circumvent that by having him attend the team practice. And because of that, the Kings were later fined a hundred thousand dollars for that. Um, yeah. I mean, how can you, it's, that's not like that as that as horrible as like a DUI or something like that, where it's self-inflicted. If, if self-sabotage, if, I mean, if you're beating up a domestic is like, I, I, I think it's just even, even worse than, than other things you can get in trouble for. So that's like the, the worst of the worst. I mean, that's awful that that team would even let him around the practice facility. That's, that's just, I'm glad they got punished for that. Yeah, and it also says, too, uh, that basically under Section 18, 18-A5 of the uh, Collective Bargaining Agreement, uh, the league may suspend the player pending the league's formal review and disposition of the matter where the failure to suspend the player during this period would create a substantial risk of material harm to the legitimate interest and or reputation of the league. Uh, and, of course, at the time, if he was convicted, he risked up to nine years in prison and the possibility to be deported back to Russia. Um he ended up pleading not guilty, and at a at a hearing, an officer had testified that his wife told police that the player punched, kicked, and choked her, and that her face was cut after he pushed her into a flat screen television. And he ended up pleading no contest to a reduced misdemeanor charge, and he was sentenced to ninety days in jail along with three years of probation. And basically, uh, ever, since he, ever since he got out of jail, uh, he basically went back home to Russia. So, I mean, it's... Wow. It, it is possible. Mm-hmm. You know, Lucic, Lucic hasn't been suspended officially yet by the league. Uh, he's been on long-term injured reserve. But it sounds it sounds possible that he could he could potentially uh, even though he said that he's taking uh, it was reported by the team that he's taking an indefinite leave of absence. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they if they uh, find a way to terminate his contract. 
yeah, that's no, uh, there's no turning back on that one. There's no, no, apology. I mean, no. They, they can't, uh, they can't forgive that. You got to move off there, move on from that guy. I didn't know the allegations were that severe. Holy yeah. Lord. Well, I mean, I mean, with Lu- with Lucic, uh, not obviously the allegations I read off previously were were from uh, Sla- were about Slava Voinov and his wife. Uh, but in okay. terms of Milan Lucic, uh, Lucic's wife had called nine one one and had said that Lucic had supposedly choked her. Uh, and attacked her while uh, while he was drunk, and that's when she wow. ended up calling nine one one like she did. Uh, yeah, I know. You know, you, you're an NHL player. Uh, you're already off due to injury, and yet you decide to do something stupid like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that can never seem to enough for Boston again. Man. I didn't. I didn't know the the depths of. Uh, Really, how, how how significantly bad it was. Yeah, I would say he's with confidence his days in Boston are done. Yeah, his days in Boston maybe potentially his days in uh, his days in the NHL potentially as well, depending on the result of this uh, the result of this case. But you know, like I, like I said, Boston they they're already. You know they're already excelling without him to begin with, and also they have depth players that could that could easily replace him on the fourth line if they need uh, if they need help with injuries and whatnot. So yeah, and they, they don't need to drop him yeah. around either. They'll, they'll they'll keep on moving without him. They're, they're not going to keep that guy around. No way. Right. So uh, we move on from from the sport of hockey over to, oh, wait a minute. Actually, no, before I forget, uh, we do have uh, some more news. Uh, the former goaltender of the Philadelphia Flyers, Roman Chekmanek, officially passed the age of 52 after previously playing 212 games in the NHL. Uh, he is actually, I, I, may, I may be wrong about this, but he is the only player, I believe, to be drafted at the age of 29 years old uh, yeah. when he was drafted in the sixth round, 171st overall in the 2000 NHL draft, uh, 34 spots before Henrik Lundqvist got drafted by the New York Rangers. Um, Czech Monik had, had previously had seven years of professional hockey in Czechoslovakia under his belt. Uh, before being drafted into the NHL, and he he had in his first season in his rookie season a thirty five fifteen and six record. Uh, now, unfortunately, uh, he had a very short career in the NHL, only playing a total of about two three about four seasons in the NHL before, for some reason, he decided to go back over to Czechoslovakia. Uh, and, I mean, his NHL career, he ended his NHL career with 110 wins, 64 losses, 28 ties, 
including a 9-14 and record in the playoffs as well. Um, not to mention a goals against average of 2.08 and a save percentage of 91.9%. So he was pretty efficient in the short time that he played in the league. It's kind of surprising that at the age of 33, he decided yeah. to uh, he decided to leave the league and end up uh, end up obviously going back uh, to Czechoslovakia. But uh, he officially passed away at the age of 52. It is unknown as of now uh, what the cause of death was, but just that he officially passed away at the age of 52. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's, ve- it's very unfortunate, especially, uh, especially for a player, his caliber. Yeah. Uh, but moving on to the NBA in season tournament, we do have a couple of teams who have already been eliminated from contention. Uh, First off, the Detroit Pistons and the Washington Wizards, who are both winless through three games, and it looks like the Chicago Bulls are soon to join them. Uh, The Pistons and the Wizards have both been eliminated in the Eastern Conference with 0-3 records. Uh, The Bulls are at 0-2. Odds are they're probably going to lose to Toronto, so they will then they will soon be eliminated. And in the Western Conference, uh, the San Antonio Spurs and the Memphis Grizzlies have officially been eliminated with 0-3 records. And the well, actually, I, I can't really say that the uh, that the next four teams are eliminated as of yet because uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Dallas Mavericks, the L.A. Clippers, and the Portland Trailblazers all have one and two records. However, depending on how the wild card finishes up here, because there is only one wild card in the uh, in, bo- in in both the East and the West. Uh, there's only four spots basically for uh, to move on to the next round, and as of now in the Eastern Conference, we have the Milwaukee Bucks, the Boston Celtics, and the Indiana Pacers, all with two and zero records. Uh, they currently hold the leadership spot with the wild card currently being occupied by the Miami Heat. Uh, those who are still in the running, in my opinion, I would, mark these, uh, I would mark these teams as still in the running, are the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets, both with 2-1 and one records. Uh, I mean, depending on what happens, you know, the the Orlando Magic, the Atlanta Hawks, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the New York Knicks both have one-and-one one records with two games to go. So I suppose anything could potentially happen. Um, yeah. The Charlotte Hornets are one-and-two. They're probably eliminated. And the Toronto Raptors are 0-1 after suffering a loss to the Boston Celtics the other night. So 
Uh, Toronto, three games to go. They still have a possible. They still have a chance, but they would have to win each of the remaining three games in order to really be in consideration. Uh, for the West, we have the L.A. Lakers at a perfect three and zero, the Sacramento Kings at two and zero, and the New Orleans Pelicans at two and one. Uh, the West mm-hmm. wild card is currently occupied by the Minnesota Timberwolves at two and zero, and teams that I would consider still in the running: the Utah Jazz, the Denver Nuggets, both at two and one. And I would put Phoenix and Golden State still in the running, both teams at one and one. The Rockets are two at one and one, but honestly, who they have to face uh, moving forward, Denver and Dallas, I don't see them beating either one. So um, they're likely eliminated, as soon will be the Oklahoma City Thunder, the well. Depending on the results of the other games, the Dallas Mavericks may still have a shot. Uh, Clippers are probably eliminated, as are probably the Trailblazers. Mm. So uh, let's start off with you, Lou, uh, in this in-season tournament. Who do you think has the, uh, has the best shot moving forward here uh, of the teams who are currently – uh, who are who are currently on top? The Milwaukee Bucks, the Boston Celtics, the Indiana Pacers, the Miami Heat, the LA Lakers, the Sacramento Kings, the New Orleans Pelicans, and the Minnesota Timberwolves. I would think the Lakers. I think they have something going here. Of course, I think this whole idea is I think a bit ridiculous anyway, you know, because it doesn't really mean anything. But uh, as the way it looks so far, um, I would probably have to. Probably just say the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's true. You know, technically, this isn't really worth. The only thing it's worth is to the players. It's worth an extra, an extra five hundred thousand dollars. Which I mean, for for players with actual contracts, it may not be worth that much, but it's worth a lot to the players who have two way contracts. Yeah. Uh, you know, players who may have minimum deals, uh, you know, that extra 500K is actually worth quite a bit to those, uh, to those who may be playing on the minimum. Um, but I, I guess, if anything, basically, you know, they want this to be kind of like, kind of like the, uh, like the League's Cup or the Nation's Cup, like, uh, like what soccer right. has right now. Uh, as basically an accomplishment under a, under a team's belt, so to speak. Yeah. I could surprise some people. I, I, I was thinking just outside the box. Um, the Pacers look finally like they're legit again, ever since, you know, the glory days of Reggie Miller and Dale Davidson and Antonio Davis and Dallas Trump when they had a really good team, Mark Jackson. I remember that growing up, but, uh, yeah, Pacers, I mean, don't look now, but Tyrese Halliburton is one of the best guards in the world. He's like their 6'5 point guard, the guy they got for Sabonis. Yeah. He's an awesome player, and um, they added, like, who did they add? Bruce Brown. They added some good veterans. They all they have Miles, Miles Turner at center. They added Obi Toppin from the Knicks, who's playing well. I like the Pacers. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, the Celtics Celtics are going to be as powerful as anyone. And the Hawks, the, the Bucks are finally meshing a little bit better with, Lillard's kind of getting comfortable. 
playing with Giannis. Giannis, they both missed some time, so they're going to be pretty lethal. Um, and then out west, uh, keep an eye on the Kings because they just got Duran Fox back, and now they're really yeah. playing well. Those kind of kind of like dark horses that stood out to me right now that could make a run. Yeah, you know what? You know what? Like that. Uh, to go, yeah. To go to your point, Alex. Um, the Indiana Pacers, you know, they picked up uh, big wins over the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, they That's still right. got Atlanta and Detroit to go. So, I mean, I think I think it's entirely possible you could see you could see Indiana potentially advance. Um, I mean, Boston they got Orlando and Chicago to go. Milwaukee has Washington and Miami. So at worst, I think Miami or I think Milwaukee would be three and one. At worst, yeah. Uh, Boston, I I think maybe they might have trouble against Orlando, but I think they handle Chicago with no problem. Um, and on Miami's side, I think Miami could be three and one as well because I would take Miami over the Knicks. And I, I, like I said, I think the only problem, the only problem they may have is potentially against Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. What's the, what's the um, Nets? What's the Nets playing record? What, what's the Nets? I, I really like them a lot more this year. It's been so damn injured Nets, so far, but the Nets are playing well, really hard, the, man. The, I really like them. Yeah, the Nets uh, for the in-season tournament, they are two and one right now. Uh, yeah. They have one more game left against Toronto. So it is possible that maybe that I would still consider them to be in the running. Uh, the Sixers they have a, they have a game against Cleveland left, so they're still in the running. Uh, it all basically it all may depend on you know what the uh, what the tiebreakers are potentially. I think in, I think a scenario like this, it's so new and like I think it, it probably is more important. Maybe the guys will be working harder on teams like the Nets or the Pacers to kind of like show that they can play with the big dogs. Whereas the guys who've already yeah. made even even more money than the the bench guy and the six uh, the Pacers, you know what I mean? The mega 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 millionaires, maybe and the guys who've already been in championships. I mean, they might get upset by some of these younger, hungrier teams. So, like, maybe it seemed like the Pacers yeah. and the Nets. I'd really like to see them make a run. The Nets are just like every night, someone else is someone different is leading the team in scoring. Um, they're they're going to be like a, just a fun, cohesive, like a hardworking team. Maybe a team like that could could take this in season tournament. I wouldn't be shocked by that, and kind of surprise the, the other the other teams that are kind of focused on the the main championship. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you know, for a team like the Pacers, you know, this could be basically, okay, like, you know, maybe they may not be main players for the, you know, for for the main NBA title, but, you know, this could be just a win. This could be a secondary type of win for them, basically, like, Oh, you know, they ended yeah. up beating uh, – or they ended up winning the NBA Cup, so to speak. Um, and it's like a statement. You know, it's like a consolation prize. Make a statement. Yeah, yeah, and it's to say that, you know, show that they've arrived and they, they can play with anyone. It's, it's a big confidence builder for a team who's not really respected around the league 
compared to like the Celtics or Bucks or the big name Lakers. You know what I mean? One of these younger hungry right. teams might come up and surprise everyone just to say, hey, well, we've arrived. We're legit too. Now, as far as the regular season standings go, uh, they are as follows for the Eastern Conference. You have the Boston Celtics on top at 10-2. and two. Uh, The Philadelphia 76ers right behind them at 9-3. and three. Uh, The Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat are tied at 8-4. and four. Uh, Followed by the Indiana Pacers at 7-4. and four. And the New York Knicks at 8-5. and five. And then uh, entering the, uh, what's it called, uh, the... Uh, the play-in tournament type phase, uh, seven through ten, you have the uh, Orlando Magic, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Brooklyn Nets, and the Atlanta Hawks, all in the play-in tournament uh, phase of the standings. And on the outside looking in, you have the Toronto Raptors, the Chicago Bulls, the Charlotte Hornets, the Washington Wizards, and the Detroit Pistons. Now, for the Western Conference, the Denver Nuggets and the Dallas Mavericks are tied at 9-3 and three for the top uh, spot. However, uh, due to head-to-head matchups, uh, the top spot currently belongs to the Denver Nuggets. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves are next with an 8-3 and three record, followed by the Oklahoma City Thunder, who stand at 8-4. and four. Uh, the Sacramento Kings are seven and four, but they are winners of their last five. And like you said, they got uh, they got what's his name back just recently. Fox, Foxy. Yeah, Fox. Yeah, <laughs> Ron Fox. Um, then you have the uh, Houston Rockets at six and four. On the out or uh, in the play-in tournament, you have the Los Angeles Lakers at seven and six. Followed by the Phoenix Suns and, and New Orleans Pelicans at six and six, and the Golden State Warriors surprisingly under five hundred, having lost their last five games yeah. at six and seven. <laughs> I've got a really good on the out- I got nothing wrong. I got no- I got nothing wrong with Steph, but I mean I cannot stand Draymond. They've had their fun in the sun. I'm no, ready for them to go away. <laughs> I'm ready for them to slowly retire one by one. Well, you know what? Let's talk went. about that for a second. Let's talk about that for a second. Draymond Green uh, was suspended five games for his role in an incident that took place yes. uh, <laughs> earlier this week. And in particular, hang on, let me see if I can bring up the... Uh, He's got to always be in the middle of everything. He yeah, basically, the let's to get put it in the middle of something. Yeah, drama. Yeah, queen. basically, let's put let's put it this way. Yeah. Uh, he engaged in a physical confrontation with Timberwolves center Rudy Gobert, and uh, the last time that he's been involved in drama, uh, the frustrations in the locker room were tangible. Uh, you know, however, his team is completely behind him this time uh, with him looking out for them on the court. Uh, Basically what happened was Clay Thompson and Jaden McDaniels got into an altercation with green later stepping in. Um, 
and Green did apologize to his team, and he knows that he took it too far this time. However, you know, it's to me, it, it almost seems like Dream like this was another slap on the wrist for Draymond, because Draymond has gotten multiple slaps on the wrist previously for each of his other uh, incidents involving the the many uh, nut kicks that he's done to certain <laughs> players during a, during a game. I mean, there, you know, there's repeat. Yeah. There, there's like, he's, yeah. he's, he's had issues on the court multiple times during the, you know, dur- during, uh, during his NBA career. And I still feel that you know, that this was basically a slap on the wrist. I feel he should have gotten yes. more than five games for this, especially considering he he practically was trying to choke uh, Rudy Gobert, essentially, out on the court. Yeah, and from – so he's let's look at his different ventures of uh, trying to be a tough guy. He sucker punched a teammate. We didn't even see it coming. That's pretty ridiculous. That's not the toughest thing. And then he uh, – you know, punching people in the nuts, kicking people, kicking people when they're running by him, kicking people in the crotch, punching people in the crotch. That's pretty weak. And then he now, and then he comes up from behind and like sucker bear hugs Rudy Gobert this week. You didn't even see him and just like tries to choke him from behind. Again, kind of a sucker move. So I'm really, <laughs> guy has kind of a pattern of just like trying to be a cheap shot artist. And you're right. He's not, he doesn't get punished really funny. much at all. He's always kind of like I find a it funny guy. though that the I find it funny that the NBA says that the length of his suspension was based in part on his history of unsportsmanlike acts. Give yeah. me a fucking break. If you took <laughs> exactly. his no, history into account, it would have been more than five games. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's water. go, let's go over. Slap on the wrist. Yeah, I, I you know let, let's go over to you, Lou, on this. What are your thoughts on on Draymond getting only five games? Was that the right punishment, or do you think it should have been more? I would say thirty years to life in prison, but still, I think give me on, on the punishment. I think you should get at least about twenty and the twenty or thirty games at least. That should be the minimum. He got off easy. Yeah, he did not have a very good Robinson, first of all. You know, he's being a clone of that. I mean, he did. I mean, both are divas anyway. Just uh, yeah, two twenty apart. What a jerk! That was the beginning of the week on my show. I mean, I understand okay. he was. Uh, you know, I, I I understand he he was uh, he was protecting teammates mm-hmm. with this, but still, it's. You know, uh, I think it says something that he got five-game suspension. He got a five-game suspension while Thompson and McDaniels, who who originally did the original altercation, only got $25,000 fines. And uh, the same also goes like a, for Rudy like Gobert, a, which, which, is like, which is like being fined a nickel out of those guys' bank accounts. It means nothing. They're dropping the bucket. Yeah. I said earlier... They didn't have to give his favoritism in the league. Well, and I, I still believe that's true. 
I think it's poten- I think there's poten- yeah. uh, it's potentially because that there is some sort of favoritism around the league, and the reason being so is that normally, you know how when you go to uh, when you go to an NBA game, you want to you go there because you want to see the players. Like in particular, okay. uh, say Alex for yeah. example. For example, Alex, uh, if you had gone to a uh, if you had gone to a Portland Trailblazers game when Damian Lillard was still there, you would want to go because you want to see Damian Lillard play. Yeah, and if you're suspended. I think, it kills the market value, it kills the experience. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I think the same thing applies here with Draymond Green, and the reason being is because. Uh, you know, when people go to a Golden State Warriors game, they want to see the trio of Curry, Thompson, and Green play. That's yeah. true. And I, I think that might be kind of why maybe perhaps the NBA is playing a little bit of favoritism here because of that. And that may be partially why he only got like, you know, like a five-game suspension instead of a 10 or 15-game suspension, for example. Yeah, they don't want to tarnish the NBA's product for the for the fans. They already have enough problems with load management garbage, where guys making fifty a million a year, you know, can only play basketball four days a week. Like I'm just looking at Cali Leonard and a couple, well, a few other guys. I just I can't stand that load management stuff. So yeah, they don't want people missing the additional time. It already sometimes gets watered down because a lot of guys get nights off. And you're right, some some families travel you know, a hundred miles or, or some blue collar family pays a lot of money to take, you know, a dad takes his son or, a, or his daughter to the game. who's like dreaming of you know, a seven or eight year old where their, their superhero player is going to play. And then they find out an hour before the game when they're already in the arena that the guy's getting the night off. It's just not fair to the fans. But I mean, still he should get more suspension time, but yeah, maybe it's because of the, the league's already facing a problem of, you know, players missing too much time. It's just not fair to the fans. I mean, I could be wrong, but it—that's that, just kind of what it smells like to me. Like, I think, I think it would be sort of the. Actually, you know what? I think if it if it was uh, if it was Steph Curry or Clay Thompson, I think they would have gotten less of a suspension than Draymond got. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah they wouldn't have gotten suspended at all. Yes. No, I think they still would have gotten suspended, Diane, but I think it would have been something like a, like maybe a game or two as opposed to five games. Um, oh, okay. You know, yeah, yeah. I th- I think it, I think it would have been it would have been it would have been like maybe a game or two instead of five games uh, for Draymond. So it, it, you know, it it just to me. It just seems like they're basically they're basically playing favoritism, uh, depending on either you know depending on the on the kind of player they are, you know whether or not they're actually important to the team, or uh, or you know if they're important to the league, or in particular like say if this was a a lesser team like. Uh, like once again to use an example, the Portland Trailblazers. Unfortunately, um, 
if it was a lesser team like the Portland Trailblazers or uh, the Washington Wizards, <laughs> yeah, or, or like the Washington Wizards, you know, maybe maybe perhaps uh, this suspension isn't as lengthy. But it, it just it just seems to me like. You know, this is basically the. Uh, that's why I find it funny when the NBA says that they took his history into account. Yeah, you guys may have Not possibly really. taken it into account, but you probably made it only count for like twenty percent of your decision. Because if you took into account all the dirty plays he's done out there on the court, all the bitching he does to the refs, uh, you know. Obviously, you know it must not have played that much into uh, into account. Now, Silver, the commissioner, has always shown himself to be very much a player's uh, commissioner. You know, he's not a total hard ass. He doesn't put the hammer down when he doesn't totally need to. You know, he's very friendly when it comes to making sure. You know. His players are happy. I'll just say that much. He's just not as nearly as much of a hard ass as like Goodell. Love or hate Goodell. Okay. It's just I, I I don't like Goodell, but just the way he carries himself, he's very like buddy buddy oh, with yeah. the players. So the Goodell the slight suspension. Is how much, uh, uh, the NFL. Basketball? NFL. No, the NFL. NFL. But uh, Alex, okay. Alex, Alex, Alex is basically. Alex is basically trying to make a comparison uh, between oh, okay. Roger Goodell, between Roger Goodell right. and Adam Silver, who is the uh, NBA commissioner. Oh, right, right, okay. He just seems to go a little bit, uh, uh, quite a bit softer on some of the players in the NBA. There's also a little bit more trouble with the NBA sometimes. So uh, I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the whole load management thing, you're like you said, Steve. They already they already have that problem. It's like they just don't suspend people that 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 much in the NBA. If David Stern was still alive, right. still commissioner, he would, it would have been a, it would have been a lot more severe. Yeah, he was good. I he think, was more uh, too soft authoritarian on, on, on punishments. I think Silver's too soft. Totally, I agree. Oh yeah, I would agree. I think I think that if uh, if David Stern was uh, was still around, he would definitely be a lot more harsh. I agree with all of it. In that case, I agree with you guys. Thank you. Yeah, because as much as as your your pointing person, a hard ass as Stern was, he meant business. You know, you weren't going to get away with murder. You know. For the stupid things you did, it wouldn't have been a five game suspension or a, or a small fine. You would have, you would have paid for the price, and you would have paid for it big time. I mean, let's put it this way: Silver is not David Stern. I mean, I know he's probably <laughs> no. he was not trying to be David Stern, but you know, yeah, you have to learn how to draw the line, you know, with uh, with the, with the uh, stupidity and antics of what goes on the league. Because you know, these players, you know, seem to get more murder. And, you know, you're supposed to be an authority figure and set an example, you know, and not be a, not be a total screw-up. Because, you know, you're <laughs> a man being a new commissioner. 
No, no, I don't think so. You know, because they're making a lot of money, he's not going to go anywhere. Well, yeah, I mean, the ratings now. are good. Yeah, it's that mm-hmm. good. Whereas they're crazy about this, uh, you know, NBA uh, in-season tournament. But that's another story for another time. But you know, the commissioner is in charge, and he has to learn how to lay down the law. And Stern, uh, well, I mean, especially Stern makes Silver look like a like a choir boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, by the way, Turner. this just in real quick for uh, this just oh. in real quick for any wrestling fans who may be listening in. Uh, AEW has officially announced the signing of highly touted independent wrestler, and also not to mention from New Japan, uh, Will Osprey has officially joined All Elite Wrestling on a permanent basis. So oh my. Uh, they, they beat out. He's a popular, a popular wrestler, most known for his work in New Japan Pro Wrestling. But I've he, uh, but he also, uh, he also is, uh, he has appeared on AEW a couple of times uh, and has put together some really impressive matches. Like I'm talking five star matches. Uh, however, he yeah. was still under contract at the time uh, with New Japan Pro Wrestling. And just had recently become a free agent. But uh, they officially beat out WWE for his services uh, with the announcement as of a few seconds ago. Wow. Talk about breaking news. That's a whole Hogan son. Yeah. Speaking of wrestling, DUI. Oh, yeah. Nick, uh, Nick right. Hogan being arrested for a DUI and not, not just not just the second time, but literally in the same city where uh, where he essentially got his friend killed uh, as a result of a car crash. Wow, I don't know about that backstory. He already got he already got trouble for that. This is the second time, and then first uh, yeah death. I didn't know that. Jesus. Somewhere in Florida. Where where are they in Florida again? Ah, uh, yeah, it was. It was in Clearwater, Florida. I've been oh, wow, so he's got to be gone. He's got to be gone to prison. Uh, I don't know exactly, but uh, basically, what happened was uh, back in 2007, uh, he had he had crashed his Toyota Supra um, when he was 17 years old. Him and three members of the pit crew of the pit crew for his drifting team were using two of his father's cars, a yellow Toyota Supra and a silver Dodge Viper. Uh, They had been traveling to a steakhouse when the single vehicle crash occurred uh, near downtown Clearwater. Uh, Basically, his car had fishtailed and spun across the road, crashing into the median strip and uh, and into a palm tree. The impact had destroyed the car. Uh, his passenger, who was his 22-year-old friend, John Graziano, um, both of them were flown to Bayfront uh, Medical Center in St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, Nick Hogan was released from care and was said to be okay. However, Graziano uh, was not wearing a seatbelt, and the eye and brain injuries he sustained 
basically had made ha, had left him in a nursing home for the rest of his life. Uh, Graziano had returned to his home mm-hmm. in 2009, where he continued to receive full time care. Uh, I believe he died shortly after. I'm not positive though. Uh, however, uh, Nick Hogan did receive criminal charges for the crash, including a felony. Um, he was charged with reckless driving involving serious bodily injury, which is a third degree felony, uh, punishable by up to five years in prison plus fines, as well as use of a motor vehicle in commission of a felony. Uh, a person under the age of 21 operating a vehicle with a blood alcohol level of 0.02% or higher, and also an illegal tinting of his windows. And two hours after the wreck, his blood alcohol content was registered as a 0.055%. So he was technically above the limit. And basically, back back then, police believed that him and the other driver were speeding in excess of 60 miles per hour in the posted 40 mile per hour zone on the wet road prior to the crash, and both were charged with reckless driving. Um, and it says prior usually to the trial, avoid, his usually, lawyer... Usually if you avoid jail time... Sorry, sorry, Steve, go for it. Well, I, I was just, just going to say that uh, prior to the trial, uh, his lawyer had said the crash was not the result of speeding, emphasizing that, that, that Nick Hogan was wearing a seatbelt and Graziano was not. Uh, his lawyer then released a store surveillance video from earlier in the day, which claimed, which he claimed could disprove uh, the police report that that he was driving at least 50% faster than the posted speed limit. Uh, also, uh, this also resulted in uh, the Graziano family filing a civil suit against the Hogan's to pay for Graziano's lifetime medical care as a result of this. Uh, Yeah, Hogan told Graziano wasn't wearing a seatbelt. Well, because of Nick Hogan's reckless driving, Balea, or not Balea, uh, because of Nick Hogan's reckless driving, uh, Graziano was basically rendered as essentially almost a vegetable for the rest of his life. He would have to, he would have to be taken care of in a nursing home type setting. He should have been wearing a Exactly. Yeah, but regardless, he was the victim in the incident, considering the fact that uh, his driver... Hogan was an idiot. Uh, yeah, yeah, Nick Hogan was an idiot. Oh, okay. Ultimately, though, uh, was behind the wheel. Did end up, uh, yeah, yeah. So you know, this this second incident here does not really surprise me. Um, so with Nick Hogan, uh, you know, he's been he's been well known to have had issues like this. Uh, apparently it says here he got busted earlier this morning, just before 4 a.m., uh, where he was booked under suspicion of driving oh, under yeah. the influence. 
And That's never good he also before, allegedly, yeah. yeah, and he he also allegedly refused to submit to sobriety testing. So uh, guilty. And now it says, it says that uh, they're logging this as of right now as a misdemeanor because the exact circumstances that led up to the arrest are unclear as of this moment. Um, and he has not been released from custody as of yet, it says. I was going to uh, now, say earlier, I think I would have to think since he avoided uh, prison the first time, the second time, they're going to be eager to uh, try to get him to go away for this one. Yeah. Which, I mean, second time yeah, in the same state. Yeah, this is doubly bad again. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, nothing, you know, n- nobody may have been with him at the, at this time. Because uh, it says on its face, it's a simple DUI arrest, which while serious, wouldn't normally be all that big a deal, uh, especially if nobody got hurt. However, because he had been previously involved in a uh, scary car accident back in uh, back in 2007, um, also, literally in the same, uh, in, in, you know, in the same city of Clearwater, Florida, you know, obviously uh, now there's, you know, he's still in, he's still in custody as of now. Another uh, really big sports figure son. Look at Andy Reid's son, Britt Reid. He maimed that girl, paralyzed, put her in a coma. Uh, what, the week of the Super Bowl, got fired and got three years prison. Some of these kids, you know, they right. think their dad, you know, they're untouchable. In the city they're in, everyone knows their dad. So, oh, yeah, no cop's going to hurt me. I'm invincible. I have, you know, dad's money, probably dad's car. They think they're a rock star. And then they're pulling these, these shenanigans. And they're both going to, I think they'll both be in prison soon. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets sent away for this. Terrible. Yeah. It's it's very unfortunate, um, especially you know for for somebody who ha who who has literally you know this this isn't the first uh, time that this has happened. Um, you know, hopefully there was nobody else in the car with him this time. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's just really unfortunate. But you know, hell. Uh, maybe potentially with his father's influence, I wouldn't be surprised because of how big he, because of how big his father is down there in Florida. I mean, hell, his father owns uh, like some sort of beach resort or something Might down own the there. In, uh, in, yeah, or like some sort of some sort of place. I forget what it is. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he. Uh, if his father pulled pulled some strings, potentially. Yeah, look at like community service, ridiculous. If it was the common Joe on the street, you look at a prison time. But yeah, you're right. Money talks in these situations. Do you think that wrestling shows favoritism? Uh, well, no. I mean. Nick Hogan, it's not like Nick Hogan wrestled. Nick Hogan didn't wrestle. Uh, okay. But it's got I mean, so, 
yeah, I mean, obviously his dad wrestled, but uh, you know, it it is possible that, like I said, that his dad could potentially pull some strings and get him uh, and get uh, you know get him to avoid prison time, just based on mm-hmm. how big his dad is down in down in Florida. Right. And also and also I think I think they'll probably use uh the fact that this wasn't a speeding incident as right. maybe potential uh you know, as a potential out for him, so to speak. Alright. So it wouldn't surprise it wouldn't surprise me at all. all right. uh, but you know, go, going on to uh before we move on from the NBA, we do have one other uh, bit of news here. Uh, Marcus Smart, the former Defensive Player of the Year, uh, previously with the Boston Celtics, now uh, is playing with the Mem- with the Memphis Grizzlies, is expected to miss three to five weeks of uh, of action with a foot sprain. Yeah, uh, a left foot sprain in particular. Uh, which occurred during Tuesday's loss to the L.A. Lakers. Uh, he ended up leaving the game in the first quarter after landing on Austin Reeves' foot while contesting a shot. Uh, Smart was previously acquired in a three-team trade this offseason that involved uh, Boston and Washington, and it involved sending Kristaps uh, Porzingis to the Boston Celtics as a result. And, I mean, this is a pretty tough blow for the Grizzlies, you know, who are yeah. already at 2-9. and nine, And each of the last two seasons, they've won 50-plus games. Uh, they're already without Ja Morant for the first 25 games of this season. And, yeah. now, and, and now they're down two starting guards. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Man, it's like the curse of the Brad, Brad Stevens put like a voodoo curse on anyone who's traded. Marcus Smart's out, Brogdon's out, Robert Williams is down for the air. Everyone who leaves Boston gets injured. Man. And that's amazing when your team becomes a train wreck. It doesn't help you either. <laughs> Are you talking yeah. about the Grizzlies? Well, yeah. I'm talking about the Grizzlies because you know, half the team is out with injuries and whatnot. Only a few players have played all all. 11 games so far, so that team was, you know, basically a train wreck, and when you're a team with a train wreck, you're not going to do very well. Right. Exactly. Right. It's not bad. Well, here's the mass unit. I mean, it's bad enough that they all, they already lost Derek Brooks uh, to free agency to the, uh, to the Houston Rockets, and... You know, John Morant is out for for the first twenty five games of the season due to his uh, due to his off season issues. Or actually, no, I th- I think it, I think they occurred actually uh, last season uh, in the middle of uh, in the mid- or at the end of last season, I should say. Um, yeah, is <laughs> so. Just kidding. smart. Yeah, so he's already you know he's already dealing with that. Or they're already dealing with that, you know. They're off to a two and nine start this season, and you know there's only there, there's only so much slack that you can have uh, yeah. before 
you know, the season becomes out of reach. And quite frankly, yeah. I think we're pretty I think we're pretty much approaching that point for the Memphis Grizzlies. Well, you know, no, they're already no, down two so. starting guards. Well, hold on a second before I get before I get unexpectedly leave. I mean, look at the Lakers last season. They were in the same boat really. They were two and ten and had no signs of life whatsoever, but they managed to turn around, and they made a playoff last year going into the Western Conference. I mean, it doesn't look good for Memphis right now to bring all your injuries and whatnot, but, you know, I think it's a little bit too early to say that they're like a DOA. Well, yeah, no, I I, I shouldn't say that, but, I mean, you take a a look at how this Memphis Grizzlies team is constructed, Lou, and – you know, they, you know, just a couple seasons ago, or just uh, last season, they had gotten rid of DeAnthony Melton, who was one of their bi- oh, one of their big weapons off of the bench. Uh, right. He ended up, of course, going to the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. You get rid of him. Uh, you, you lose Derek Brooks in the offseason, who ends up going to the Houston Rockets. Uh, you know, you're already you're already down John Morant due to uh, due to his uh, suspension. Most of their team and gone. Stephen Adams. Yeah, I mean that's most yeah, of their you lose Stephen Adams. They're done. They're done. I mean, I, I won't say they're done, but the the thing I'm saying the thing I'm saying is that their margin for error is getting shorter and shorter by the day. Yeah. I mean, they're not mad. They're not like eliminated, but I just think, you know, next year, if Moran can ever act like a normal human being and not a total, like he's a super villain in a movie. And, and then if they get the center, if they get Steven Adams, their center back, they can make a good run next year. I mean, their best shot yeah, was but a it's lot of years. Well, Alex, I mean, let's be a little bit realistic here. I mean, you know, uh, Morant is like a normal human being. I don't know if that's possible or not. So uh, that might be a little bit, that be a little bit far-fetched. Ooh. I really, when they, when they had Melton and Brooks and Adams and Morant was acting normal, I really, I was really thinking they were going to win a championship. The last couple right. of years, I thought they were going to be the one. And they just, they've really disintegrated. They've just fallen apart. People left, people get injured, people get suspended. I mean, you can't, you can't overcome that. It's just too much talent there. Unfortunately, right. it, it all started. With, it all it all unraveled with John Morant. It's kind of like a bad bad karma for the whole team somehow. Right. I mean, it's getting to the point where it's getting to the point where they're saying that uh, this could end up costing Taylor Jenkins his job as the head coach. Yeah. That, Crazy. You know, despite the of the Memphis Grizzlies, Grizzlies. Oh. that you know, despite all the injuries you might have, you know, you basically it's your responsibility to field, uh, you know, a competitive team, and so far the Memphis Grizzlies have been have been anything but a competitive team. Uh. Were the Memphis Grizzlies good at any point in time? 
Yes, they were. They were vying for a championship three years straight. Yeah. When was that? Not that long ago. Last year. The last three seasons. And the past two seasons, they were second in the Western Conference. But uh, the okay. they've been very good for a while. So, something must have happened in the past. Well, you're in the past two seasons, and now. Yeah, Moran. Well, they're missing most one. of their team. Sam is being injured. So, there's been a lot going on in the Memphis Grizzlies camp, and, you know, not all good. It just goes to show you right. how, you know, just how just, you know, simple things that, you know, go wrong really hurt the team, and it really has. You know, okay. I mean, Adams was just a player. Durant was just, I mean, Morant was just being a complete moron. And, you know, his antics, you know, uh, didn't help. So right. I wonder what, I mean, okay, maybe I want to Memphis to, you know, Retain, you know, first or second was a conference, but I didn't expect it to be a drop off this severe. I didn't see this coming right. at all. I don't know what else you all think, but that's the way I see it. Right. And I, I mean, the the thing is, let's let's keep in mind that Marcus Smart is a former Defensive Player of the Year. You, you know, you yes. enter this season with two former Defensive Players of the Year on your roster with him and. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. is the reigning defensive player of the year. You know, a lot of right, people yeah. were looking at Memphis. A lot of people were looking at Memphis as being the front runners for the Western Conference this year. Yes. And now all of a We're sudden smart. it's like, well, you start off with a 2-9 and nine record. You know, you don't, have, uh, you don't have Steven Adams. You don't have John Morant. And now – uh, you're going to be without Marcus Smart for the next uh, for the next month or so. Uh, you know, it's like okay, now all of a sudden you go from looking at Memphis as being a legitimate contender this year to now all of a sudden being in the lottery for uh, for the NBA draft. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which I bet their front well, office would take right now. Sometimes we'll know that later on. Guys. Tell that right now. All right. It might be a blessing, a la when the Spurs took one one quick step back and they landed Tim Duncan in the lottery. Because mm-hmm. I mean, if you add Morant next yeah. year, if they're healthy, and then they add a top pick, it might even be even stronger than they've been the last couple of years. But yeah, but I don't need uh, this, this, this this season is just a toss out for them. I, I don't. I don't know how they can get it together. This the Marcus Smart injury. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just unraveling every day with them. I don't know how they can mm-hmm. recover this year. I just mm-hmm. don't see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the thing also is, Alex. I mean, how often can we see that? I mean, yes, they 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 got him, and you know, it was it was lucky for the Spurs when they got that. But you're not going to see a draft like that every year turn a team going from worst to first. You're no, not see it very the, the Spurs the Spurs got so lucky, and then they get one beyond it. But that's another. Yeah. Another topic. They've been they've been damn lucky over the years. Yeah, it's very rare to, you know, for a really good team to have one bad year and then land the number one pick. But yeah, I just think the Grizzlies are just this, this year is just going to be not the year for them. Too much to overcome. Well, will be the year for them. Yeah, I mean that was. A I mean, it's, it's, it is it's, it is very unfortunate. When you when you consider yes. that they have a budding star in uh, you know in John Morant who 
whose biggest uh, whose biggest adversary is himself. Uh, yeah. You know, you have all of that. You have all that talent, and you know, I still believe that they kind of got screwed over by NBA officials uh, during their series against Golden State. You know, like I talked about the Golden State favoritism before. Um, yeah. You know, Memphis was the uh, Memphis was the popular, uh, you know, hot shot team that was uh, that was looking to make an impact. Uh, with their, you know, w- with their young core, and it almost seems like they've basically taken steps back ever since they got screwed over by the NBA uh, that one postseason where they had a legitimate chance. The one pro sport, man, we've seen it a lot where the, t- the top ratings, the most popular teams get a lot of calls in the playoffs. That's the NBA for you. Yes, yeah, it happened to the Grizzlies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's not a lot of sleepers that suddenly win NBA championships. It's, a lot, it's very top-heavy. No. Certain teams, the referees are told to definitely uh, keep in, a, in good shape and, and make a couple calls for. <laughs> I'm pretty sure of that. I mean, so just the Bulls, example, the Lakers through the years, the Warriors got a ton of calls for the championships. Just to give an example, if you want, if 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 the NBA wants a wants a series extended, they have they, they have will make Scott it Foster do, yeah, they they have Scott Foster be the referee because he's, he's like always the, the one. The yeah, yeah, he makes it happen. No, he's the extender. He's not the closer. Exactly, he's yeah. the extender. They they fly him in on like a secret jet, you know, within hours, and he's there ready to. To make sure, and he has a meeting with all the officials. Hey, guys, yeah. this is what we're doing tonight. <laughs> yeah, the fix is in. Yep. I mean, it's very ratings yeah. driven. And look, I'm not taking a shot to the Lakers, but I, I've seen them. They've had great, obviously, great franchise history. But there were there were a lot of there were some calls when the, through the Kobe years and the Shaq years. Um, and then I mean, the Bulls used to get some calls. The NBA is always they like to see their heavyweights always in the finals. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the Warriors yeah, got. It's, uh, it's all. It's Warriors got lucky a few times. Guys, you gotta run. Guys, I'm off too. All right. Well, thank you, Lou and Diane, and uh, remember, yeah, Lou, see you guys. next week. Uh, yeah, um, I, I announced this earlier, uh, but I figure I figure I'll announce it again, uh, Alex, because of Thanksgiving, obviously this this uh, upcoming week, uh, we will be taking next Saturday off um, as a result of it. So uh, we'll be back the Saturday after uh, for, uh, for the next uh, podcast. Cool. But uh, anyways, we still have more. I'm I'm good for another. uh, Um, I'm good for another. I'm good for another half hour. So tonight, Steve, what, what do you got on the, on the game plan here? All right. Well, you know what? Let's let's talk about uh first off we have uh the MLB awards uh to bring up. Uh, oh yeah. We did have some more awards get handed out. I mean, let's start with the MVPs. The MVPs we had Shohei Otani for the American League and we had Ronald Acuña Jr. for the National League. And I mean, ultimately, you know, I brought this up earlier on Lou's show. You know, when when you look at 
uh, you know, at, at, at the, uh, the resume for what you look at in an MVP type front runner. If you have a, a two way player like Shohei Otani, who can both be an elite pitcher as well as an elite hitter, you would have to assume that he's always going to be the front runner, regardless yeah. of what, uh, exactly. you know, he's always going to be the front runner. Um, now, obviously, next season, he'll only be able to bat instead of pitch uh, due to his, uh, due to needing Tommy John surgery. Uh, but, you know, he'll, he'll still be able to be a DH, basically. Um I mean, he, the, he, he's the first player to win the AL MVP by a unanimous vote twice. He's the first That's player insane. to ever do that. And They're two of the best players ever, uh, Otani and Acuna. Two of the best ever, without a yeah. doubt. And, I mean, Acuna, you take, a look at, you take a look at his resume, becoming the first ever member of the 40-70 club, 40 homer, uh, 40 – Wait a minute. 41 homers, 73 stolen yeah. bases. Uh, he got a unanimous uh, NL MVP. And not That's to an mention, he led the he, Yeah, and he led the uh, National League in many categories as well, including runs, hits, on-base percentage, uh, total bases, and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, honestly, you just you just take a look at his record, and it's like, or his resume, it's like how do you how do you give the MVP award to anybody other than him for the National League? You can't. It's just by such a wide margin, it's indisputable. He's a, he's a total luck. There's really, no no yeah. in, in comparison. What is he? Twenty five years old? Yeah, five years old. He's got another. I mean, he's just like in his prime. Off an ACL injury, he would probably be better next year. He very well could be better next year. It's absurd. Yeah, he quite po- he quite possibly could. I mean, uh, you know, obviously the one thing you have to take into account is you know he's obviously going to be dealing uh, with with his, with his injury. You know, having to undergo Tommy John surgery. So, you know. Obviously, he's not going to have the same. Uh, you know, he, he's going to run into into some problems potentially uh, moving forward. But you know, he's still going to be an elite type hitter. Like his injury is not going to prevent him from from uh, being able to still have power in his bat. No, definitely. I not. mean, basically, he just he just won't be able to pitch. Yeah, I still want. I still am hoping he can get back there. I know he sure he wants to pitch more. Just will have to wait a year, I would imagine. Right. Yeah, he'll still have, he'll have to wait at least a year. And by the way, I mean he's already he's already going to get you know a record setting contract more more likely than not this off season. So. Um, I mean, you know, he can afford, he can afford to, uh, you know, to to not be a hundred percent, you know, to be to, to be mainly a batter and and you know not not be able to pitch next year. I mean, he's gonna be yeah. sit, he's gonna be sitting comfortably, needless to say, 
What did he? What else? Did, what else has he played through the years? Growing, even growing up, have we heard anything about that? I, man, if I'm paying him five hundred million, I, I, I'd like him to at least grab a glove and play somewhere, first base. And he's uh, such a good athlete. I you know what I mean? Played, I think he's played outfield. I'd still want him out somewhere. I mean, he's such a good athlete. If I'm paying all that money, I don't know. It'll be interesting yeah, to see I, just just a DH. I could be wrong, but I believe he has played the outfield before. Gotcha. Yeah, it's uh, going to be interesting to see. I didn't some... really think of that. Be interesting to see if, yeah, he, uh, we also if he plays some, a position. Uh, we also had some other awards uh, to to be officially uh, handed out. Uh, the Cy Young Awards uh, were handed out. Uh, Garrett Cole. Uh, was uh, officially uh, of- officially given the award this year after leading the American League in ERA with a 2.63 ERA. Uh, he led in innings pitched with 209, and as well as opponent batting average, only batting 206 against him. Um, wow. I mean... You know, I, I I know I know there, this was met with a little opposition on uh you know on Lou's uh show earlier today that some people believed that maybe perhaps it should have been it should have been given uh, elsewhere. Ultimately, I mean, he has the numbers. He has yeah, the numbers, can, and it, the fact that I was going to say, yeah, the, the numbers all he led the I mean, league. Yeah. Yeah. No, if you just – I mean, come on. It is what it is. The people who probably didn't want him to win it are probably not the biggest. They're not wearing pinstripes jerseys at home. So it's like the Yankee bias there. If you had just a book of stats or you were looking at just the back of baseball cards without the first and last names, he has the best stats. He should win the Cy Young. Right. And also, you know, just a He's all, he's also not to mention a two-time Cy Young uh, runner-up as well. Uh, yeah, he's and, deserving. You know, he was. I didn't if see any anything, issue with he that. He was the one bright spot. He was the one bright spot on that uh, in that Yankee rotation this year. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the rotation was a mess. You have to get Yamamoto. I don't know. But yeah, Cole was definitely a stud. His best, probably his best year ever. He was deserving. Now for the National League, uh, Blake Snell took home the award, uh, winning the Cy Young for the second time in his career. Uh, batters only batted a 181 batting average against him this year. <laughs> That's crazy. 181. And also <laughs> his 12 scoreless starts are tied for the most by a qualified starting pitcher since 1969. Wow, crazy! Not number. to mention he, not to mention he, ra- he racked up uh, 234 strikeouts uh, to go along with his 31 and a half percent strikeout rate, which ranked second in the majors. I mean, I don't think there, I don't think there was anybody else uh, that could have been. That could have been given the award for the, the award for the or for the National League. I mean, no, it seems like a real you know, no-brainer right there. 
yeah, it almost it almost seems like uh, you could have you could have potentially considered this a runaway, uh, a runaway yep. type. Uh, I'd say maybe perhaps the American League had a little bit of a uh, had a little bit more competitive competitive of a race, but National League, you know, everybody was basically saying it was going to be Blake Snell, just like everybody was saying that the MVP for the American League was going to be Shohei Otani. From the very beginning, it's now, essentially. Yeah, it's now everyone's everyone's been waiting to see all that potential come together without all the injuries and him, get, you know, right. pitching four four shutout innings and then getting pulled like seventy pitches. It's it's like those like empty numbers. He's finally showing consistency and stability. So he's always had the talent all the way back to Tampa. So yeah, it finally came together. Now he's a free agent. He's going to be a huge free agent for someone if he can stay healthy. Though comes with a risk. Yeah. Um, now let's see. Also, uh, for Rookie of the Year, the American League went to Gunnar Henderson, which, I mean, to be fair, I don't know if there's anybody else that was uh, that was looking elsewhere for uh, for Rookie of the Year. And, yeah, and obviously Baltimore, Baltimore had a great, you know, comeback season that he was well deserving. Yeah, and uh, as well as for the National League, the National League ended up going to Corbin Carroll, uh, who became the first rookie to to join the twenty five fifty club, twenty five homers and fifty four steals. Uh, wow. You know, the first he's a, he's rookie awesome in, in MLB player. history to do that. He's a great player. Yeah, and I mean, World Series appearance. That's a surefire pick right there for rookie of the year. Yeah, you know it, it's it's weird. It's it's almost like I I don't think I don't think you could find any alternatives uh, for most of these categories. I, I I like like maybe okay the National League MVP. Uh, you know if if Acuna wasn't part wasn't a part of the uh, of the forty seventy club, maybe potentially you could make an argument that Mookie Betts. Uh, would would have uh, would have had a stake uh, there for na- yeah. for National League MVP potentially, uh, but otherwise, yeah. you know, most of these categories you can really say are essentially, you know, right down the line, so to speak. Yeah, there were, uh, the there way, weren't really a lot of uh, weren't really a lot of big ahead. debates. There, there were a lot of no, there's just a lot of like. Runaway picks. There weren't a lot of. There wasn't a lot of room for debate on some of these selections. They're kind of no-brainers. Right. Uh, by the way, real quick, real quick here, uh, Alexis, is that you calling in? Totally. I know it's shock. I, I'm calling into a podcast for the first time in forever. Yeah, I know. It's it's, it's been a long time. It's been a long time since we've heard you on here. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if this was a. Uh, if this was Daniel's uh, area code, because I know, because obviously, as you know, we got Daniel back uh, in the Whispers group, so um, yeah, I wasn't I, I, sure I, I if he was, guys uh... was back. Huh? I, I saw he was back yesterday. I was at work and stuff, so it's like I, I wasn't able to message as much and talk as much. It's like, oh, shit, he's back. Yeah. 
Oh, it was definitely a huge surprise. Uh, you know, I, I was I was expecting that, you know, maybe he would be calling in here. Um, but uh, anyways, uh, we've been talking about uh, about the MLB awards. Um, have you followed? Uh, have you followed it that much at all? I have not followed it that much. It's like I, I followed baseball enough while I was at work to know who was in what going on there, but for the awards, I've never been much to paying attention. Well, obviously, uh, MVP, uh, both MVPs were unanimous. Uh, Shohei Otani for the American League and Ronald Acuna Jr. for the National League. Uh, Cy Young Awards for the top pitcher in each league uh, went to Garrett Cole for the American League and Blake Snell for the National League. Um, Let's see. For the Rookie of the Year, the American League went to Gunnar Henderson and the National League went to Corbin Carroll. And now we have Manager of the Year, uh, which, in my opinion, I believe this was the only category that I felt had the wrong potential winner. Because American League went to Brandon Hyde of the uh, Baltimore Orioles over Bruce Bochy. And the National League went to Skip Schumacher of the Miami Marlins. And obviously the Schumacher one, I thought it was a no-brainer when you consider uh, just exactly how bad Miami has been over the last couple of years, and somehow he leads them back to the postseason uh, in his (laughs) first year as an actual Major League Baseball manager. And then, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, Brandon Hyde, there's a lot to applaud uh, for him when you consider the fact that he led a team who previously lost under his leadership 110 games twice. And now all of a sudden, you know, uh, he leads them to their, to a a hundred plus win season. And obviously they got bounced early in the playoffs, but uh, still, you know, I kind of thought, though, that Bochy, uh, Bruce Bochy of the Texas Rangers, uh, mm-hmm. Texas Rangers should have gotten the award when you consider all of the money that they spent on those free agents two years ago. And ultimately, they still ended up missing the playoffs there. Yet, you take a look at uh, – you bring, you know, you bring those players back, but with a different manager, and you see what ended up happening there. With uh, obviously the Texas Rangers, uh, they made the wild card, and then they go on to win the World Series. So I think, if anything, the AL Manager of the Year was the only, the only uh, category that I thought had maybe a little bit of competition and maybe perhaps was the biggest mm-hmm. surprise. Uh, let's start, well, let's start with you, yeah, Alex. What, what are your thoughts on the managers of the year? I, I agree with you. It's tough to not give it to the guy who just 
came out of retirement and helped win the Rangers, won the World Series, right? But the Orioles were such a not to sound corny, such a feel good story. They really were. They came because they were they went from worst to last. Whereas the Rangers had a lot of big name players, as we know. So I mean, it's almost like the Orioles were big a bigger surprise, a bigger pleasant surprise, and no one really saw them being able to compete so quickly. So that's where I can kind of agree that the Orioles manager deserved it. But I mean, he beat out the guy who won the World Series, so it's a little bit. It's it's tough to argue either. It, it can go either way. It's very debatable. Yeah, yeah. But uh, once yeah. again, it's worth noting as well. It's it's worth noting as well that these uh, that these awards go based off of regular season and not uh, oh, that's you know right. not that's overall. Right. right. That's a good point. All right. Well, these awards are tough. Sometimes you have. Yeah, go for it, Alexis. I was going to say that that makes the big difference. The fact that you squeeze, you manage to get your team to squeeze by into a wild card game, and then going up against maybe another team that they had no problem getting to the playoffs. If yeah. it's only going based on the regular season, you kind of see where the weight gets put more than anything. Over oh, they won the World Series, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, but yet, but yet the Orioles had the best record in the regular season. Right. So I mean, I, I guess it, I guess it makes sense that that uh, you know Brandon Hyde, especially like I said, when you consider the fact that this Orioles team had previously lost a hundred plus games uh, two times uh, in his first two years with them. But you know, I still I still think that it should have gone to Bochi. But then again, you know that's why I'm not a uh, you know that's why I'm not somebody that covers uh, Major League Baseball. Uh, I'm not a uh, an NBA writer or uh, a Major League Baseball writer, so to speak. Oh, your point's valid, man. A lot of a lot of writers you know different. You follow the sport. You have a deep knowledge of the sport. I mean, you're not alone in your viewpoint there. I mean, he won the World Series, but yeah. It's just tougher. I, I didn't even realize that they, I forgot they don't even take into account the, the playoff performance. So if they took into account, if they judged it after the World Series, I think the World Series winner Bochy would have won it. Now we go from the MLB awards. Obviously, uh, obviously now the uh, MLB free agency has officially started and. Uh, to start off with MLB free agency, you know we did we did have a, a very slow start. However, things are starting to pick up here, uh, and in particular, one of the one of the big trades uh, that has well, I mean, you know, it, it depends on whether or not uh, whether or not you consider it big. Uh, but one of the big uh, moves, in my opinion, to have just gone down last night, the Seattle Mariners acquired Luis Urias from the Boston Red Sox in exchange for Isaiah Campbell, a uh, pitcher who made his his debut last uh, last season 
where he went four and one in the regular season, as well as a as well as one save uh, out of the bullpen. Uh, all of his all of his uh, all of his time was out of the bullpen. Uh, Twenty eight and two thirds innings of work, a two point eight three ERA to go along with a twenty seven and a half percent strikeout rate, and when you, you know, sometimes you may consider those numbers, eh, you know, okay for a bullpen arm. But let's keep in mind, this is a prospect. Uh, he's 20, 25, 26 years old. This is a prospect who completely skipped AAA, got called up straight from AA, and, you know, basically has been dominating – uh, major league talent, mostly with his slider, um, this past this past season, and he only saw twenty eight innings worth of work. Because Grant, I mean, granted, he got he got called up late in the season, but uh, in my opinion, this is actually a pretty solid deal for Boston. Uh, getting rid of Luis Urias who a lot of people remember used to be uh, a very highly touted prospect. He had two in his first two seasons in the bigs. uh, He had double digit home runs and it looked like, uh, you know, following his injury, uh, all of a sudden he had a bad start to last season and people were thinking, well, maybe perhaps he can get a, he can have a turnaround in Boston, which obviously that didn't happen. Uh, so now I guess, you know, Seattle is banking that maybe perhaps he can, he can turn back the clock and get back on track. Uh, but I mean, you know, for, for a guy who, who barely did anything this year, I mean, yeah, he had two, he had two back-to-back grand slams, but other than that, uh, you know, he didn't really factor as, you know, Boston probably could have been better off if they had used somebody else at second base. Uh, thing is, they were so injury-stricken that they were forced to basically use uh, Urias at second base. Uh, in my opinion, this is pretty big, the fact that they were able to get somebody the caliber of Isaiah Campbell in return for a guy that very easily could have been non-tendered a contract. I mean, yeah, let's good, start good with addition. you, Alex. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, what are your thoughts, Alex, on this move? Yeah, Campbell's a really high upside. He's a really talented pitcher. So. And uh, Urias just didn't work out. That was that was just not a good move last year for him. So they got a really promising younger pitcher for uh, – someone they probably didn't have in the future plan, so it was a big one for the Boston. Yeah, and this also helps uh when it comes to when it comes to potentially rebuilding uh when it when it comes to potentially rebuilding their uh their bullpen, this kinda helps with that with that uh Tim, are we you know with about? with that with that prospect. Who's Isaiah uh, Campbell? He is uh, a former member of the Seattle Mariners who was just acquired by the Boston Celtics, or Celtics, the Boston Red Sox, 
for Luis Aureus, who Boston had previously acquired from the Milwaukee Brewers. Okay. Like, basically, if I, if I were to put it this way, uh, they acquired a guy who they'll probably have a lot more use for in exchange for a guy that they probably could have just released. Mm-hmm. So, in my opinion, I believe this is a huge win for Boston, uh, especially uh, the first move made by the new president of baseball operations, Craig Breslow, uh, for the Boston Red Sox. And I think this, you know, uh, obviously he clearly has a plan uh, for this upcoming, you know, for this offseason. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if we see Boston highly in the running for uh, for Shohei Otani, the uh, reigning AL MVP. Oh, that guy, yeah. Yeah. I think everyone is going to be in the running for him. Well, everybody except Seattle, because it has been, it has officially been reported uh, to not expect Seattle to be among the uh, to be among the candidates for him. So uh, there's obviously, well, there's obviously going to be very widespread interest in Otani, but the question is, is who's going to be willing to pay him the money that he's going to be looking for? Because he's going to be looking for at least a a half a billion dollars. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be looking for at least a half a billion dollars. I think anyone will be willing to pay it. Yeah, but it's all it's all up to ownership, obviously. And obviously. I mean, I'll just I'll just I'll just give an example. You know, the Yankees they aren't really considered to be in the running, which I don't know why they aren't, considering the fact that you know they've given players monstrous contracts previously, but I think I think maybe perhaps the Aaron Judge extension has a little bit to do with that um, as far as to why they aren't in the running for Otani. Um, but, I mean, they've, you know, they've given ridiculous contracts before, and uh, actually, believe it or not, uh, one of the teams that is, that is going to be in the running for Otani, the L.A. Dodgers, uh, their plan is reportedly to bring in not just Otani, but also to acquire uh, Mike Trout from the Angels through a trade. Whoa! I mean, you want to talk about you want to talk about monstrous money being dished out to uh, to two players. You know, they'll they'll already have to pay, have to pay LA a premium if they want to get. Uh, if they want to get Mike Trout, but if they, you know, if they get Otani and Trout, I look, I look at it like this. How do you not see the LA Dodgers as the favorite to win the world series next year? Exactly. When you consider, when you consider the immense amount of talent that they will have on that roster, that's partially why uh, they didn't extend an offer to their current designated hitter, J.D. Martinez. 
because obviously if they acquire uh, if they acquire Otani, they will have no need for JD Martinez on the roster. Right. So, uh, yeah, but they're but they're they're pitching get, though. Their pitching is a train wreck, though, and we all know in playoff baseball, man, good pitching usually beats good uh, hitting. So I, if I were them, I'd be really focused on getting some arms, too. I know Otani would be awesome in L.A., but they got to have some arms, too. Yeah, they definitely, you know, obviously they have to have some, they have to have some uh, you know, some pretty good arms for the rotation. But, you know, you do have to consider that, that obviously what they're looking for right now specifically is for, I mean, obviously he would be an upgrade at designated hitter over J.D. Martinez. Uh, but, you know, it would it would be a pretty good investment. Like, obviously, he'll be able to pitch in 2025, but 2024, I mean, having him as just a, as just a hitter, you know, not that bad, you know, have, having him just be a hitter and then wait one year for him to pitch. I mean, in my opinion, if I was running a franchise, that would be worth the money. Oh, of course, yeah. Get him any way possible. I'm just saying, they still, they, they still need pitching now. We've seen really awesome offenses get shut down in the playoffs. Yeah, especially not to mention he's he'll be a back to he, he's a back to AL MVP. You know, With Freeman and Betts. Obviously, you're going <laughs> to give. Obviously, you're going to give up a ton of money just to be able to sign him to begin with. Uh, what what are your thoughts, Alexis, on um, on Shohei Otani uh, potentially going to the Dodgers and maybe perhaps being joined by his uh, by his teammate uh, Mike Trout? I definitely could see it, and it's like like you were saying, sure, a lot of these teams could be in the running, but knowing how big of a contract he He's going to want – that kind of eliminates a lot of teams that wouldn't be able to either be willing or even afford it. I, I could definitely see them both joining up on the Dodgers as well. Yeah, and I was going to say, if, if, if like three or four teams offer like absurd money, like $500 million, He's gonna ultimately he's gonna go where he wants to go. If the money's the same, right. I think he's gonna right. go. To, he, I think he wants to. He wants to probably stay on the West Coast. I don't know. It's gonna keep hearing, but Boston's a dark yeah. horse. I don't know. For the Rangers too, right? That's, after World Series win, that's the same thing. I've I mean, heard. I really I've think heard, I've heard Boston. Yeah. I've heard Boston is a dark horse because of his association with uh, the president of New Balance Shoes. Wow. I just with his, how huge he is, he's the biggest free agent ticket ever. I mean, he just is. Whether you think he's the best player, I mean, that's probably not the best player ever. But it's the most. It's gonna be the most hyped free agent I think ever in baseball. I I don't know. I just think I he's kind of like Bruce. got that Hollywood. I mean, I, if I had to bet right now, I would say the Dodgers probably probably gonna get him. But he might be land in Boston. I don't know. Do you think he just came where he is? 
No, absolutely not. No, it seems terrible. Yeah, I, there's, there's no I doubt that. Considering, considering their uh, their unwillingness to build around him and and, uh, and Trout the last couple of years, I find it highly unlikely that uh, that the Angels will be able to re-sign him. I mean, I'll just put it this way: I, I would be very surprised if he if he stays in LA, but have it be for the Angels. I would be very surprised. Okay. Uh, our next our next bit of news: the Atlanta Braves have traded right-hander Kyle Wright to the Kansas City Royals in exchange for fellow righty Jackson Kowar. Uh, Wright underwent soldiers, uh, soldier, shoulder surgery, and he is expected to miss the entire next season, uh, though Kansas City will have control of him for two years following next season uh, before, okay. he will, b- before he'll be eligible for arbitration. Uh, <laughs> now, Wright is the former number five overall pick in the 2017 uh, MLB draft. And he he eventually broke out with a dominant showing in the big leagues in 2022. Uh, over the life of 180 and a third frames, he logged a 3.19 earned run average with a 23.6% strikeout rate to go along with a 7.2% walk rate and a 55.6% ground out rate um, this past season. And, Ultimately, though, uh, or not this past season, in 2022, uh, he ended up missing all this season, basically, uh, due to uh, shoulder issues. And he officially underwent shoulder surgery following the conclusion of the regular season and now won't be back on the mound until the 2025 season. Uh, Let's see. So, basically, in return for the long-term upside play on right, the Royals give the Braves six years of club control over Jackson Kowar, who was a first-round pick and a top prospect who is yet to pan out in Kansas City. Uh, Kowar has one minor league option year remaining after being granted a fourth option due to injuries that he had suffered, but the 27-year-old has yielded 75 home or 75 earned runs and 74 major league innings across parts of three seasons. So basically, he's a project. And essentially, Atlanta, instead of, uh, you know, they're banking on the fact that maybe their pitching coach will be able to right the ship on this guy. And essentially, what this tells me is that they basically did not have any, they didn't have any plans uh, for Kyle Wright in the upcoming seasons, and they decided to get what they could get for him and offload any money that would be on his deal. Yeah. Which, They're always very I mean, smart, it's kind of surprising, well but. Well, they got rid of the injuries. They got rid of Soroka and Shuster, too. They're such a smart team. I mean, whenever they make a move, it's, it usually works at this point. So they probably know something about it. That's true. 
I mean, they're just such a savvy, such a smart-led team. They always make good moves, it seems like. It's hard to keep up with them. It is worth noting, too, that Kowar uh, has seen an uptick in velocity since moving from the rotation to the bullpen. So maybe perhaps he might work out in a bullpen-type setting for uh, for the Atlanta Braves. As basically he, his, his uh, fastball went up from 95 miles per hour to 97 uh, after being moved to the bullpen on a full-time basis. So, you know, maybe if anything, Atlanta is banking that they can use him correctly I mean, because let's face it, Kansas City, there's a reason why they've been horrible uh, ever since they won the World Series back in uh, back uh, so many years ago. That's true. So, you know, they obviously have one of the worst pit, or one of the worst coaching staffs in, in the league. So, you know, right now they're pretty much banking on the fact that you know, uh, they're hoping that, you know, when Kyle Wright returns, that he'll be an upgrade for their rotation. And as far as Atlanta goes, they're hoping that maybe perhaps with a with an experienced staff, uh, you know, that they can basically turn this kid around. They can turn this kid around and have him be uh, a reliable arm out of the bullpen. 2015 was when they last won the the World Series. What was it, 2015? Yeah, 2015, 18 years ago. Yeah, so, I mean, it's been been quite a bit since Kansas City won, and ever since then they've basically taken many steps back. Yeah, I, I just remember that because I remember being at my work and stuff, and we did, like, special drinks and stuff for them being in the World Series. Uh, let's see. One other bit of news. The Milwaukee Brewers decided to non-tender Brandon Woodruff, one of their starters. Uh, which, I mean, I, I guess this kind of makes sense for them considering the fact that uh, he underwent shoulder surgery and is expected to miss a majority of next season. And as a result, he was projected for $11.6 million in arbitration. And, you know, it's kind of hard to justify paying that amount of money uh, for somebody who's barely going to see any time due to injury uh, in the regular season. Uh, and apparently uh, they discussed multi-year arrangements with the, with him uh, and trades with other clubs, but neither, uh, neither set of negotiations worked uh, or ended up in a deal at all uh, for, for, uh, for either side. A great pitcher and just, He's really hit some hard injuries, and uh, Milwaukee's never in the mood to spend a lot of money. So he's Gonzo from Milwaukee. Uh, 
Yeah, which I, you know, I, I, I guess it's I guess it's 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 not really surprising in terms of the money, but I mean to give up a player like him, uh, who was actually pretty good as a starter for them, it's basically you risk the possibility that he goes elsewhere in free you know you risk the possibility that a team does what Boston did when they signed James Paxton uh that obviously when Boston signed James Paxton they knew that he wasn't going to play at all the very first year so uh they essentially had signed him for the most part for this for this previous season that we just had yeah, and we obviously saw what James Paxton did this year. You know, he was one of the best pitchers on Boston staff. Which I mean, that's not really saying much, but, um, but still. <laughs> well, Woodruff's after the coming year that I think the entire year, and then he'll get a huge deal. And that Milwaukee's just they just never spend. It sucks. I mean, they have Burns and Woodruff, but it looks like Woodruff's going to be gone. Yeah. So I mean, re- regardless to say it's, I you know I can see why they made that why they made that uh, that decision. Yeah. Uh, also, the Atlanta Braves they acquired reliever Aaron Bummer from the from the Chicago White Sox for a five player package. In exchange, Chicago acquires starters Michael Soroka and Jared Schuster, as well as middle infielders Nicky Lopez and Braden Schumach, and minor league right-handed uh, right-handed pitcher Riley Gowen. Uh, all all of those the first four players occupy spots on the 40-man roster, with the exception with the exception of Gowen. Uh, Bummer had spent his entire career with the Chicago White Sox. He developed from uh, an unheralded 19th round selection into all of a sudden becoming one of the game's more quietly excellent setup men. So, if anything... Atlanta, Atlanta just improved. They're they're really addressing their bullpen situation because, uh, you know, easily the bullpen was ma- was maybe the weak point of this past season for them. I mean, hell, it's the reason why yeah. they got swept by Boston. And also, yeah. uh, it's worth well. mentioning too. Um, I mean, yeah, you know, Bummer is definitely, he was probably one of Chicago's better relievers. Uh, But the Braves feel that Bummer's results will more closely or will more closely match those that he managed before the injuries that he had suffered uh, in previous years. And... He's set to make five and a half mil next season in the final guaranteed year of the extension that he had signed with the Chicago White Sox. Uh, however, uh, he does have a club option worth seven and a quarter million, 
for 2025, while it also contains a team option as well for seven and a half mil for the 2026 season as well. So essentially Atlanta, if this guy, if this guy uh, continues to perform uh, well, they could have him essentially for the next three years after this deal. Um, and also, four of those players that they traded are all major league players as well. Uh, Soroka is a former first-round pick and top prospect who uh, got an all-star nod back in 2019 and a runner-up finish in the NL Rookie of the Year balloting. Uh, he had pitched to a 2.68 ERA over 29 starts that year. Uh, however, in 2020 and 2021, he had back-to-back of his right Achilles tendon nine months apart. Uh, and the injuries basically had cost him almost two full seasons as a result. Uh, and basically, uh, he had spent most of his time this year in AAA. Uh, over 17 starts with their top affiliate, he pitched to a 3.41 ERA uh, this year. And basically, you know, their trust, Chicago here is basically getting the opportunity to rebuild their rotation behind Dylan Cease. And even then, it's not even a guarantee that Dylan Cease uh, will stick around. It's entirely possible that Dylan, that Dylan Cease is a... Uh, uh, MBA or his uh, his MLB career, uh, his time with uh, with the Chicago White Sox may potentially be coming to an end because uh, he was well, uh, you know, he was well put in trade rumors uh, this past trade deadline. So it wouldn't be surprising at all to potentially see him uh, hit the trade market once again. Uh, this off season, I know that team is just always a, they're just a dumpster fire right now. Everyone's either injured or wants to leave, or they're trading people. They, they're just really struggling. The, the White Sox. Yeah, I mean they've even said they've even said that uh, you know Dylan Cease could be a potential target for the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, that'd be a good move. Uh, all right. Now, let us move on to the NFL. And, oh, God. Uh, let's Okay, let's just start off with this. The New, the New England Patriots. It may be the most boring overseas game that we have ever seen. Lose <laughs> 10 to 6. User. Ten to six on a fake spike, which was then turned into an interception. <laughs> like a field hockey score. I mean, my God, you know, it, it's bad <laughs> enough that it's it's bad enough that uh, that Mac Jones got benched last week. Again, uh, you know, throughout this whole thing, they bring in Bailey Zappi. 
thinking that Bailey Zappi, uh, you know, would make a difference and would help uh, the team win. Instead, Bailey Zappi decides to do a fake spike and then throws an immediate game, uh, <laughs> game-winning game interception for the Indianapolis Colts. The Patriots are now 2-8. That. That's, 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 that's ludicrous. I didn't even see that highlight. It was bad. <laughs> Can't make it up. No. Yeah, it's but, no, literally no joke. You cannot make you cannot make any of this shit up now. Any anything that the Patriots are doing, you cannot make this shit up. Big snap, big spike into an interception by Zappy. Yeah, he, <laughs> just what the hell is going he on? Does, he, <laughs> he does a fake spike into an interception, and it's just oh my god. Um, <laughs> So they're now two and eight headed into the bye week this week, and there is legitimate conversations over uh, Belichick's future. You know whether or not uh, now obviously you know the odds are is that he's going to end up finishing the season, and then in the off season he'll be traded. Uh, he'll be traded more than likely to the Washington Commanders. Is that's the that's the one team that everybody seems to be convinced that he's going to be headed towards. Um, wow. I don't know though. You know, with the Buffalo Bills, uh, with the way that they're yeah. imploding right now, maybe perhaps mm. Doug McDermott might be, uh, or uh, Sean McDermott. I'm sorry. Uh, Sean McDermott might be uh, might be on the way out, so Buffalo could potentially be an interesting option. But I don't think the Patriots would trade him to a divisional rival. That's the one hiccup, yeah. That's the one thing. That's yeah. Those are a divisional rival to the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, I would consider in the division them. Them. I, yeah. I would consider them a bigger rival than the New York Jets. I don't even turn them around. They're not good. <laughs> I mean, with the Jets, it isn't. With the Jets, it isn't even a rivalry anymore. Yeah, I don't think they're with the Bills either. The Bills are not good. <laughs> when was the last time the Bills won a game? <laughs> True. I mean, the Bills have uh, have uh, have been collapsing this year. Uh, which, you know, which is why I brought that up that, you know, maybe could they potentially trade him to the Bills but if uh, if McDermott gets shown the door. But I don't see that as a possibility now at this point. Uh, however, though, if you look at the playoff picture as it stands right now, uh, the Miami Dolphins are currently in the driver's seat for the AFC East at 6-3. and three. Uh, Buffalo is still somewhat in it at five and five. I believe they take up the last wild card spot. I think uh, currently as it stands, um, just based off of tiebreakers. That is uh, the AFC North. You have the Baltimore Ravens at eight and three. However, Baltimore is going to be without Mark Andrews for an extended period of time, possibly uh, possibly season-ending due to an ankle injury 
that he suffered in their win over Cincinnati, where he was basically folded up on. Uh, however, there are teams that are still in the mix. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers at six and three, and the Cleveland Browns surprisingly at six and three. Though uh, they will be without Deshaun Watson for the remainder of the season due to uh, due to an injury that he has suffered. So injuries everywhere. Oh yeah, there's injuries everywhere now. And he's what, been eight, placed seven, on uh, injured reserve. Seven or eight uh, quarterbacks Joe are out. Burrow. Yeah. Oh, there's a ton. Uh, <laughs> Joe Burrow is the most recent injury now, too, after he suffered a season-ending injury uh, against the Baltimore Ravens. And I believe it was it was a right wrist injury, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. So now there's the question on if the Bengals can even make the playoffs now, uh, depending on what they decide to do uh, at the quarterback position. Um, Pittsburgh, the way they're headed right now, I think they're probably going to make it. Uh, They'll make it as a wild card team. Uh, The AFC South, you have the Jacksonville Jaguars leading the way at six and three, but look out, CJ Stroud and the Houston Texans are right on their trail at five and four. Uh, imagine, imagine this year everybody was saying who was going to be the better quarterback, CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, coming out of the NFL draft. Who would have thought that it would be CJ Stroud? Uh, completely turning around this Houston Texans organization in his very first year. Yeah, he's done a sensational job. They play the Cardinals tomorrow. They could very well be six and four. Yeah, right. I mean it's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, the AFC West, obviously, you got the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, even though even though Vegas is making a run, you know Vegas is going to be potentially in the running for a wild card spot. But Kansas City running away with the West, kind of figures. Uh, the NFC East, Eagles lead the way, eight and one. Cowboys obviously are going to be in the mix at six and three. Uh, the Eagles though are without Dallas Goddard for a. Uh, for a pretty uh, a pretty significant portion of time for uh, for the rest of the season, um, the NFC North you have the Detroit Lions heading uh, leading the way at seven and two, but the Minnesota Vikings, believe it or not, despite not having uh, Kirk Cousins for the rest of the year, the Minnesota Vikings uh, through Josh Dobbs are at six and four. Yep, they're staying alive. Very surprising. Um, the NFC mm-hmm. South is still up for grabs. Uh, the New Orleans Saints lead the way at five. Jesus. Five and five. Oh, my God. The NFC South is a wreck once again this year. Um, 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not out of it. They're four and five, and even the Atlanta Falcons at four and six. I can't consider them out of it yet. Um, Carolina is long gone at one and eight. Um, I'm just hoping that Carolina starts to, starts to win some games so that uh, so that the Patriots have a better draft pick at the end of the year. Um, and for the NFC West, you have the San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks both tied at six and three. And literally, once again, uh, you know, everybody is saying that Brock Purdy is back. I still, I still stick by what I said last week, that Brock Purdy has been exposed as being only as good as, as the weapons around him. Purdy average. Yep. I mean, we, I we saw what happened when, when he got everybody back last week. You know, I think I think it's clear as day that obviously when he has everybody, uh, obvi- obviously they're gonna be you know they're gonna they're gonna be in uh, they're gonna be in the running as long as he has everybody, so to speak. They're just so talented overall. Yeah, and I, I know. As an Eagles fan, I just I was getting sick of everyone saying, "Oh, the Niners should be in the last year." I just yeah, the Niners have a ton of talent. They're a really good team, but I just I personally I don't think Purdy is all that. You know, if if they if they get to a Super Bowl, I don't think it's going to be because of Purdy. I'll put it like that. Yeah, he's pretty he's pretty good. He's not like a star quarterback. He's just not. Yeah, I mean, what what are your thought what are your thoughts on uh, on Brock Purdy, Alexis? Do you think uh, do you think he's you know he's better you know that he's as advertised, or do you think that he's basically uh, the product of the system that he plays in? I I honestly think it's part the product of the system he's a part of, plus the fact that. When he started out, he was a very unknown, and now people kind of have seen him played enough that it's like they're easily figuring him out. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think I, I, think I, would, I would definitely agree with that. You're, you know, you've already seen enough tape on him. It's kind of like Mac Jones. Right. Where right. you know Mac Jones had a had a somewhat good rookie year, but you've already seen uh, you already have a whole bunch of tape on him of of what he's mm-hmm. capable of doing. So you already know how to uh, you already know how to attack him, so to speak. Right. All right. That's uh, good, really. I mean, looking at one of the, I was just going to say, Purdy, one of the mock a lot drafts. Of his, go ahead. I was going to say real quick with Purdy. He, with Purdy, he can just like literally just toss the ball five yards to Debo Samuel, who can run fifty yards, or he can sh- throw a short pass to Kittle. You know what I mean? It's like these all these little shorter plays. That, the, the other players really do all the lifting for him. The heavy, the the, the real the real work. I mean, they really do. Right. He's just and McCaffrey. He's just surrounded by like incredible players. So I, I like what Alexis said. He's really just a product of the system, and other teams have kind of figured him out. 
He's not all that in a bag of chips. Yeah, definitely. No, definitely. Um, you know, teams have definitely at this point probably gotten him all figured out. We are headed to, uh, you know, obviously if we're looking at, um, you know, if we're, if we're looking at how, how things, uh, how things stand at this point in the season, uh, you also have to take a look at the, at the upcoming draft too. And, where teams may potentially end up. Uh, one of the most recent mock drafts that has been done uh, by CBS Sports, I find this very interesting. They have both Caleb Williams and Drake May going one and two, the very first two picks. Uh, Caleb Williams to the Chicago Bears, which means that uh, Chicago is giving up on Justin Fields. And Drake May would be going to the New York Giants, which also brings up the possibility that maybe New York might move on from uh, Daniel Jones. I find that kind of interesting because I would I would think I would think that if New York is in that position, I would have thought they would go with Marvin Harrison Jr. out of Ohio State, considering they had just signed Jones to a massive extension. And yeah, I think Daniel Jones with, they're like they're like handcuffed to him. But some people like really don't like him and some people still believe in him. He's not a surefire, like he's not like a superstar. They kinda I don't want to say screw themselves, but they kinda they give him a ton of money. They're kinda stuck with him. I mean Yeah. What would you guys do? Uh, if I were the Giants fan I'd probably want someone new. If you can get a star quarterback, I don't know. They have a lot of issues. I would, too. I would, too. But, you know, you also have to take a look at what does he really have there for weapons to work with? Yeah, that's true. You know, Barkley's been injured a lot. I mean, apart from from Saquon Barkley, who does he really have as a legitimate threat there? Believe it or not, I would prefer Daniel Jones than uh, before I would prefer Mac Jones. You know, if, if as hard yeah. as that, you know, as hard as that is to imagine, I would prefer to have Daniel Jones right now than Mac Jones. I think Jones is good. I Mac, I just I'm trying to be optimistic with the guy since I since I met you, Steve, through the show and stuff. It's just like. I can't figure it out, and then he's not not really showing any improvement. Jones is showing more upside, definitely. I just can't. And figure now, out what's interesting Jones. here? What's interesting here is this mock draft by CBS Sports, which is just the most recent one they've done, uh, in, in you know in correspondence with the current uh, records, has the Patriots taking. Marvin Harrison Jr. instead of instead of taking uh, a quarterback like JJ McCarthy or Michael Penix or even Jaden Daniels out of LSU. I find that kind of interesting because you know a lot of people would argue 
that Mac has has really not had a legitimate number one wide receiver throughout his whole time in New England. That uh, he had success, he had limited success this year with uh, with Kendrick Bourne, but otherwise, you know, he didn't really have that much success. Uh, you know, he didn't have a legitimate deep threat. Marvin Harrison Jr. would provide that deep threat. So, you know, what I'm wondering is, do the Patriots decide to go Marvin Harrison Jr. in the first round, and then maybe they take a quarterback in the second round, like, say, a Michael Penix. Maybe Penix is available in the second round. Or maybe somehow McCarthy falls in the second round, or Jaden Daniels okay. falls into the second round. Jaden Daniels, yeah, they might do that and give Matt or one more last round. They could go, or they could go for Shader Sanders if Sanders decides to decides to declare. I mean, I find it kind of interesting that they have New England taking a wide receiver in the first round, are arguably the best talent available in this year's draft. Uh, when Belichick uh, historically has a horrible track record when it comes to drafting receivers. I mean, Julian Edelman is a big exception, but uh, come on, he was the sixth-round pick. Um I mean, let's let's go to you, Alexis. What are your thoughts on uh, on Chicago and New York both opting for new quarterbacks, whereas New England, instead of going for a new quarterback, decides to go for uh, a bona fide number one wide receiver? Yeah, I pretty much said it's like, man. It's- it's honestly about time that the Giants move on from Mac Jones. You mean Daniel Jones, not Mac Jones. Or Daniel Jones. Or, sorry, Matt, Patriots kind of need to start moving on from Mac Jones, too. But. Yeah, Jones. Well, obviously, yeah. I look at Jones. Jones-less. But at the same right. at the same time though they may not have that opportunity if they end up ending if they end up getting the number three overall pick they won't have an opportunity right. to take either Caleb Williams or Drake May unless uh, one of those two teams decides to take Marvin Harrison Jr. Right. I mean, I, personally, I think. Uh... If you have a chance to find a superstar quarterback, top two. I mean, Justin Fields doesn't look good. He just doesn't look, I don't know, aware enough. He kind of plays like he's just high schooler, just like running around trying to make some crazy play. Just doesn't seem like a smart player for the Bears. Um, the Giants, who knows? Daniel Jones has been missing his best offensive lineman, Andrew Thomas. Their their best player, probably Saquon Barkley, has been injured a lot. And Jones has been injured, so it's really – and they just gave Daniel Jones a lot of money. Yeah. So that's a lot tougher situation, I think. Right. they could use help everywhere. You know what I mean? And they, if they like Jones, it's like 
maybe you get him a great receiver like Marvin Harrison from Ohio State. So I, I right. expect the Bears to definitely take a quarterback. Giants, I'm not so sure. Not a sure thing. Yeah, you I know, mean, it's fact, crazy. They just the gave him all that money. I'm almost just, wondering if Daniel Jones is right. in the same. I'm wondering if Daniel Jones is in the same position as Mac Jones is in, where that he doesn't really have a number one, a bona fide number one receiver to throw to. Sure makes a quarterback can make a quarterback's life a lot easier and make him look a lot better. I mean, right. yeah, Mac especially, man. I know, I like I like Demario Douglas a lot, but I mean, come on, it's been a couple of years now. The Patriots need like a total stud, you know, wide receiver. It makes the quarterback's life so much easier. It makes quarterback so much better. It's just it's not fair to a starting quarterback. I mean, you can throw throw that ball up and get a forty yard, you know on a third down or score a huge TD with a stud receiver, it just makes so much of a big difference for the quarterback. Yeah. Oh, definitely, without a doubt. You know, uh, you, know you, could argue the quarterback. That you, you could argue that if Justin Fields – I mean, the reason why Chicago had traded for Chase Claypool – was because he was expected to be a big weapon for Justin Fields. And then it turned out that Claypool just was not getting it done. So, yeah. right. I mean, I, I just, I find it surprising that, I mean, yeah, okay, you know, Caleb Williams may be the best quarterback in the draft, but that doesn't necessarily mean he needs to be taken number one overall. You know, I just, I find it kind of surprising that they're already willing to move on from Fields, even though he's just 24 years old right now. It's, I mean, I don't watch the Bears all that much, but they're, they're just—he seems like he's so inconsistent, like just not really a smart player. I don't know. I guess the Bears fans are really fed up with him. You guys, I, I just haven't seen a lot of Bears games. But, I mean, his stats, he usually has, like, you know, 55 yards throwing or 60 yards. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, they need an upgrade. Right. That's what it seems like. Right. He's just not scoring. They're not scoring TDs. I don't know if it's other issues, but I mean, he just hasn't looked that good. It doesn't seem like he's been really successful in Chicago. Now, it is worth noting that the Patriots did have a scout at today's UCLA-USC game. So, assumingly, they were uh, probably scouting uh, Caleb Williams. Or Bill could be scouting Mike kicker, at least. You never know. <laughs> uh, please, God, no. We already saw so what happened this be... year. <laughs> He's scouting some random guy that no one else is thinking about. <laughs> Bill's going to smart everyone. Smartest guy in the room, Belichick. He's got to be. <laughs> Now, some of the other notable names around uh, around this mock draft, uh, they got Chicago with their second first-round pick. They have them taking Dallas Turner out of Alabama, uh, the 14th-ranked prospect in the draft, going at number five. That's kind of a surprise, but uh, I guess it's because, you know, they want to they wanna have basically an elite pass rush, and considering they just – signed and, and, and traded uh, for Montez Sweat, 
uh, you know, they still have to replace Yannick Ngakwe, considering he's given them absolutely nothing on the rush this year. So maybe, maybe perhaps uh, they feel they might feel that Dallas Turner might be able to give them that extra that extra boost on the pass rush. Uh, they have Green Bay at number six drafting uh, David Bakhtiari's replacement, Joel Alt the offensive tackle out of Notre Dame. I think that's kind of interesting because considering all the injuries that Bakhtiari has had in his career, uh, perhaps that ex- that experience may officially be over in Green Bay. And not to mention they could use the offensive line help. Uh, the same thing goes with the L.A. Rams, who have, very, who have been very injury-prone on the offensive line in recent years. Uh, they have them drafting J.C. Latham out of Alabama. Uh, this one, though, may be very interesting. Uh, at number eight, they have Tennessee drafting Brock Bowers to pair him up with Will Levis. He looks like an awesome player, Bowers, the big tight end out of Georgia. Yeah, he's, he's going to be a yeah. Almost maybe even like they're calling Gronkowski. him Rob Gronkowski Jr. Yeah, he looks awesome. You never, like, guarantee it. Lofty uh, comparison, but he looks like the real deal. Is he first-rounder or second-rounder? What does it say? The, the mock draft? Oh, for, no, no, they have, him, they have him being taken number eight overall. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. In my opinion, like, you know, I think he's awesome. a top-ten talent. Yeah, if you're talking Gronk, you're talking Kelsey. Kelsey's like 30-60, so Bowers could be like the best tight end in football in a couple of years. Yeah, awesome weapon to get on draft there. Yeah, I mean, he's very easily, uh, I, you know, he's the number one tight end in the draft. Uh, they have him ranked as the number fourth overall prospect in the draft. Uh, I wouldn't wow. be surprised if the Patriots move on from Hunter Henry I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Brock Bowers is a potential option for them at their, uh, depending on what their pick is. Um, Steve, I know we were talking more early in the year. We were talking about him. I, I had him on my fantasy team, too. I took a special interest in him. I, but Hunter Henry's always had a lot of talent. Are they just not throwing him the ball anymore? Or he's always been talented. Is it like the Patriots' fault or well, Henry's fault that he's not really performing? Well, here's the thing. Belichick, Belichick loves tight ends who can block. Yeah. Okay. And if you remember in, in, in the later years of Gronkowski's career with the Patriots, uh, he was mainly a blocking tight end, but he still had those big plays with Brady too. Oh yeah. But, the one thing that Belichick valued the most is a tight end who who is capable of blocking. Yep. So, you know, that may be why Hunter Henry is not getting the offensive stats that uh, that he got in his first year with Matt. Because Belichick has decided – well, I'm just going to use him as primary a block as pri- primarily a blocking tight end. Uh, 
Uh, one other pick I find interesting here, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They have them projected right now to take J.J. McCarthy out of Michigan to replace Baker Mayfield. Huh. Baker's been kind of good in Tampa. Yeah. That could happen. And that would be with the 11th overall pick. Uh, you know, I thought, I, I thought Baker's been pretty good this year. So it it does come as a bit of a surprise uh, to see that maybe perhaps he might be on the, uh, you know, that he might be on the way out here. Um, I mean, it would be smart of Tampa Bay to invest in a young quarterback. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm kind of surprised. Yeah, I mean, they still uh, have Mike see. Evans. Some other... If the Bucks have like an awesome quarterback, man, with those receivers, they could be pretty nasty. Yeah, pretty, pretty, really, really good game. Uh, they got the New York Jets taking Amarius Mims with the twelfth overall pick. Uh, Amarius Mims, uh, an offensive tackle out of Georgia, which, in my opinion, makes sense considering the fact that uh, the Jets. Uh, desperately need offensive uh, offensive line help. Um, even though Rogers they need back. quarterback help as well, but they're banking on Rodgers being back next year. They better protect that guy, that's for sure. No one can touch that guy. He's going to yeah. be hobbling around, running, jogging around, limping around for his life. So you got to protect that guy. I do want to see yeah. that happen. I mean, just for shits and giggles, just to see if he can actually – Help resurrect them. You know, you know, Rogers is not retiring until he at least plays plays some meaningful games right. for them. He'll be back. Right. That guy's not going to go quietly into the night. He's 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 a big shot diva. I mean, that guy's going to be ready to play. Right. Uh, they got the Chargers. How, how how many plays the the snake time for Rogers before he ends up with a season-ending <laughs> injury again? The over under seven. <laughs> Last year was four. Two. Four or five. You might last a quarter. Maybe you last a quarter. Who knows? Shock the world. Right. I, I, I just uh, found that funny. Sh- right. like, Go ahead, Alexis. Jets had paid all this money that, for, for Rodgers, and then he, <laughs> they get like three or four plays out of him. <laughs> and he comes out, he's like a, a soap opera music, and he's carrying the American flag running out of the tunnel, and like 30 seconds later, he's on the ground. <laughs> jets are gonna jet. <laughs> they get jets uh, commercials. Uh, they got the Chargers taking Kool Aid McKinstry from Alabama uh, to basically become what the Chargers thought J.C. Jackson was gonna be for them. That's a great name, Kool Aid McKinstry. Gotta love it. Which would be uh, their number yeah, one cornerback. Awesome yeah, Chargers need some defense. Uh, they're also talking about Malik Neighbors uh, being drafted out of LSU, a wide receiver going to Indianapolis, because apparently it looks like Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, may not be able to come to terms uh, with the uh, Colts at, at season's end. 
which, I mean, that would be a pretty significant loss for Indianapolis. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Some other – ooh, they got uh, Cincinnati uh, with T. Higgins uh, potentially, being, uh, potentially being on his way out. Uh, they have Cincinnati taking Keon Coleman, a wide receiver, out of Florida State. Which, uh, oh, by the way, speaking of uh, speaking of Florida State, um, I don't know if anybody caught that game earlier today, uh, but Jordan Travis, their star quarterback, um, yeah. Ouch. Ooh, oh, that was rough. Uh, suffering so bad. a they're likely... Finally... Oh, I was just going to say they're finally back in that, uh, the college playoffs. Their best year in years, you know what I mean? They're finally back, like, close to, you know, they could maybe win it all. And then right there, gone for the year. So bad. Yeah, suffering a potential broken leg. Uh, and in my opinion, just just looking at where at, at, at just looking at the leg, uh, it looked like it was at the leg and knee line mm-hmm. oh. that he was injured at. Like, like where? Uh, I mean, yeah, it looked like the leg and knee line when he was holding his leg. The leg literally bent from the knee over to the left in a way that it wasn't that a leg isn't supposed to bend. Yeah. And he got the thing is he suffered it uh he suffered it on a hip tackle as they call it. And I, was having I mean he got folded up. They're having such an like magical year that's such a you know big time program. Seminole fans love their team, and it's like the guy's having like a dream season, and then right before the playoffs start, he's, he's done, just crushing, absolutely crushing. Yeah, I mean, twenty touchdowns, two picks, two thousand seven hundred and thirty-four yards, uh, and then. His season is basically cut, uh, basically cut short here. Uh, his senior season. You guys, would it ever happen to say that the weird committee who can vote whoever they want in, since Florida State's the final seed, they're the fourth seed, with, with their best player suddenly done, would they put another team in there, or is that just like awful? Would they still have Florida State? I mean, they're not uh, the fourth best team now without their best player. And you have I'm Washington, right. Oregon. Washington's, Washington's undefeated. Say, they just beat Washington. Just beat Oregon State. Washington's eleven and zero, and they're the next team fifth. Panics. I mean, I mean, Washington I would say would it probably... just all depends on the last couple games. Oh, okay. Right. Good call it. Yeah. Yeah, the, they the might last get couple in. of games. However, though, I would not be surprised at all. If we see some team like like Alabama, for example, because we all know mm-hmm. we all know there's been years <laughs> there's been years when a team like Alabama, who had a worse record than any of the other four uh, highest teams, 
and yet they get in because uh, because they get better ratings. We all know that yeah. when it comes to the college football playoff, all that matters yeah. is the ratings. See, see, this is totally what's going to happen. They'll they'll beat Georgia for the conference championship, and the committee will be like, "Well, you know, we got to put in the conference champion for SEC, but you know, Georgia is stronger than these other teams, so Georgia's getting in too." Yeah. Oh, is that Bama? Yeah. David's got yeah. the whole committee on speed dial. He's giving them all, you know, Cancun oh. vacations. Yeah. I mean, Jesus. Yeah, you're right. They always try to do Bama the biggest favor and get him in somehow. Right. Yeah, I would not be surprised at all if uh, if a team like Alabama, even though, yeah, they've they've suffered one loss, but you know they've really right. had uh, they've really had you know their their quarterback has really had a uh, bounce back. Uh, a bounce back showing this year after starting off the year so cold. Um, yeah, that that's going to be their biggest obstacle is going to be Georgia. Like if they lose to Georgia, then it's like it's very likely no, they won't be put in. But if they right. beat Don't Georgia, be surprised guaranteed at all. they'll probably have both of them at that point. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, I, I really want to. I've been watching Washington a lot. I like they got Panics and they're uh, I, I I just I, I it's I always am hopeful that like a you know a team that's never been there give them a shot mm-hmm. not to sound too corny but like come on and Bama's lost the game sucks about Florida State but like if they're not going to be that as good without their star player now I mean I, I hope I hope a couple of those teams that like five or six or seven can get in and not Bama for once let, let a new team like Washington have a shot that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I you know I I I would feel bad for Florida. I feel bad right now for Florida State to begin with, with their current uh, issue now at quarterback. And also, I'd feel bad for Washington if they if they finish undefeated and they somehow are out of the college football playoff. But I can definitely see uh, the NCAA pulling that bullshit like they have in in previous uh, years. Yeah. But um, I would still want Florida State in though for the rest of the. Yes, sorry, Steve. Go for it, man. Awesome show, by the way. Yeah, uh, I was just going to say. With that being said, though, uh, that's going to cover it for uh, for tonight. Uh, Once again, next week we will be off due to Thanksgiving weekend, so uh, we will be back on. uh, Let's see, on December second, we'll be back. Uh, with another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Uh, Survivor 45 recap show will be this upcoming Friday, so Survivor fans, don't miss that, Uh, 9 p.m. Eastern. And uh, thank you to everybody for joining me tonight, Uh, Alex, Lou, Diane, and Alexis. Uh, We will be back on December 2nd. Uh, Have a great Thanksgiving week, and we will see you guys. We will see you guys then.